Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on June the 27th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the guy who just chokes me up inside. I'm purposely leaving the silence now. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll just cut it out in post. On today's show, we will, of course, be no, discussing the games that we played. We'll have our monthly game club, which is Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. We'll be talking about our next game club. Two more classic systems get announced. There's been further developments with the Open 4 GTA 5 modding debacle. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. How are you, buddy? Doing all right. Oh, Caffeine Rage, by the way. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, let's be honest. You're not going to fix that in post because that requires editing. No, I'll fix it in post. The listeners aren't going to know what you're talking about, because I'll fix it in post. Actually, I do fix plenty of things in post. And I would say, I would say first time for uh, everything, but yeah, uh, people not knowing what I'm talking about, well, that happens pretty often, actually. Yeah, for as much as, I think I've said, I've definitely said this before, for as much as I joke about being lazy, I do actually put a decent amount of work into most episodes of the podcast. Absolutely, some weeks I'm like, rushed for time and it's like all right we'll do this quick and dirty style uh but oh more often than not i do i do put some some effort into it and i've got this down to a science too so i can do it pretty fast while still uh getting rid of a lot of mistakes and errors and things such as that i've been doing it a lot more too since we moved um well since we moved and i got a new job and i have a better schedule and more time and all that i can put a little more effort into it so these last, I don't know, dozen or so episodes have been much cleaner and better sounding throughout just because I'm putting a little bit more effort into it than I was before. Uh, better sounding, so you're just muting my track altogether, right? Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes I mute mine, though. It depends on who's, like, doing the, the overlapping talking, like, how it all works. There's a little bit less of that. There's still plenty of it, but there's a little bit less of it. Because sometimes you and I both will just be like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, one of these tracks has to win out, or I have to <laughs> split them up so that one person talks and finishes, and then the other person starts. And I do that a lot more now than I used to. In fact, I used to never do that. But now I actually do that. So, I mean, I still leave some of the talking in over in there because, I mean, you have to. And also, it's more natural. Yeah, it's more natural, and I prefer a more natural-sounding show as opposed to a more uh, cut-up sort of uh, scripted's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Like those Montage. shows, where there's yeah, it's like there's never any mistakes, and it's like cut segment, cut segment, cut segment. And I prefer the flow of natural conversation. But sometimes we, one of us is making an important point, and the other one butts in, and the other like we just talk over each other. And so I try to fix those now. You know, if we really wanted to be professional, though, we would actually have some sort of signal or you know just learn to not talk over one another yeah but where's the fun in that true i mean i've started adding minor sound effects here and there to denote certain conversational cuts uh it's just a super simple i think i've mentioned this before too it's a super simple like static sound that i heard on another podcast that's really good at like I mean, it's not even a half a second, but it's just like such a perfect cue. And it's like, okay, we went from one conversation thread to another one and something got cut out because it didn't make sense. So 
I've been doing that a lot more now. And there's less elevator music overall because that was starting to feel kind of stale to me. It still exists and it gets put in there, but less now. I'm a little shocked that you haven't stolen the NASA beeps yet from, uh, well, now the defunct Boosters in Space tape. Nah. I like the static sound effect. I don't know why there's just something about it. It's just like that white noise. White noise is very comforting to me. <laughs> like I prefer uh, brown. But, but, no, I'm actually not joking. Is there brown noise? Yes. For real? I've never heard of that before. It's essentially a lower octave. Oh, okay. Yeah, I use a white noise uh, and generator. It's, it. And it's also uh, very different from a brown note. Okay. And you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Not a clue. Brown note is the mythical thing of a certain tone that would uh, make someone shit themselves. Oh, interesting. But let's see. Brown noise. Uh, here, I'm going to send you a YouTube link. Welcome to the musical portion <laughs> of the podcast, everyone. Let's see. Yeah. Well, uh, assuming yeah, musical is just uh, background noise. There you go. Brown noise. Eight hours of brown noise for relaxation and. Well, this is just the first link I grabbed, because I usually use an app. You thought I was joking about brown noise, didn't you? There's actually pink noise as well. Cool. I guess. Is that an octave higher? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's a exactly an octave. It's just, yeah, it's uh, lower than white. Uh, right. It's brown. I gotcha. Interesting. Well, yeah, this has been the uh, behind the scenes and musical portion <laughs> of the podcast. Well, if uh, white noise is your idea of music, then um, you need to get out more. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um... We're probably most likely going to have a shorter show this week. Uh, I'm about to go on vacation, and so I have to edit this a little bit quicker than usual. And Yeah, and in theory, I'm going to have surgery Friday. Yeah, so uh, we've just got a lot of little, stuff going on. Yeah, just a little minor thing on my part, hopefully. Yeah. But hey, some... if I drop dead, then uh, you know the podcast will probably get a lot better. <laughs> oh, that's funny, but I would be very sad. Yeah, you'd very, have to actually go uh, hunting for news for a while until you find someone else to do it. I could probably get Kyle to do it. <laughs> but I would miss you. Don't die. Welcome to the morbid portion of the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, well, we've got something like club. a two... Yeah, we've got something like a two and a half hour show planned. Maybe a little bit shorter because some of these topics are kind of hit and miss on how long they're actually going to be. So uh, we might as well just plow on through it. Uh, Rage, what games have you played this week? Oh, what? I was actually supposed to talk about games I played this week instead of just talking about random colors of noise? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, fine then. If you want to be like that, I played a couple of games that I picked up on the Steam Summer Sale. Uh, the first one is a, a game I actually tried to play during the Winter Sale last year and was just utterly broken. So I rebought it this time around after refunding it last time and actually got it. I think I got it cheaper this time around. <laughs> All right. uh, Celestial Command. Last year when I tried to play this, I had a slight issue. Well, if, well, I should say what Celestial Command is first. It is essentially a space mining game and space sandbox game of 
going around mining asteroids, fighting pirates, and doing random missions. And I had the slight issue last year of when I fired it up. It Well, it's running in Unity, so you can see where we're going already with this. Because if you're familiar with Kerbal Space Program, then you know that Unity, for a long time... I'm matter of fact, I think Kerbal may still have this somewhat, but not nearly as pronounced as it used to be. But it wasn't precise enough for the orbits in Kerbal. So it caused orbits to wobble. And it could eventually cause orbits to decay or get essentially free delta V from uh, the orbits just expanding further and further out just due to uh, the imprecise of uh, impreciseness of unity. Well, Celestial Command, I had it where stations were dropping out of orbit because of the uh, just the wobble and the or and the stations trying to fix their uh, orbits just causing it to get worse and worse and worse until they just fall and crash into the planet <laughs> which was hilarious but made the game unplayable so I refunded it and I decided to try it again this time around uh, after since it's seen I want to say like four or five updates since the winter sale and it is playable now, at least for me. It's still very, 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 very buggy. As a matter of fact, it does remind me a lot of Kerbal, just in the fact that I'm hitting the same bugs I used to in Kerbal. <laughs> uh, but let's see, the main thing I'm having an issue with right now is shipbuilding is a little bit finicky, but it's also a very early alpha right now, so... Uh, it is still at the point where it's playable, so, you know, uh, I decided to hold on to it. And I just refunded another game that... Uh, I could actually put on the game list now that I think about it, and I, and I will. Okay. Uh, and I'll uh, talk about that at the end of things. Uh, but there's not a lot really to talk about this, because it is still in an uh, alpha state. It's, uh, as a matter of fact, this is a game that I'm surprised Jerry doesn't... Uh, ended up talking a lot about because it is space mining and yeah yeah well i mean i own it i've played it um i experienced less of those issues that you did at the time i don't know if it was like just different hardware like i was or just getting better luck or what but um i mean i talked about it at length on one of the shows from earlier this year right yeah i think so yeah earlier this year um so I've just been waiting to check it out. You know, every six months or so is when I check in on a game like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's... Uh, early access games, especially space games, seem to be uh, very hit or miss on just how, well, fleshed out they are and how stable they are. And, you know, this one, it's at the point where it's playable, but it's... Uh, unless you want to... You know, just jump in early, I would say it's probably a miss right now. Just because, you know, there's not a lot to do outside of going around and mining right now. They haven't fleshed out enough in the game. And supposedly they're going to have it where you can control different ships or, you know, give different orders. But right now, the the different uh, systems are just barely in place. Matter of fact, right now you could only have two ships because there's no way to refill crew well you can do it with the the console well well that's no that that's in the sandbox if you're playing non-sandbox you can't do that 
Oh, okay. Unless there's a way to open up the console in the uh, in the standard mode that I don't know about. I don't know. I've only played it in sandbox. <clears throat> they did. So. Add, they did add an uh, atmospheric mode where it's more of a traditional uh, sci-fi uh, space game instead of uh, the orbital mode, which honestly I don't like. I preferred uh, the rather. Okay, it was still simplistic, but you know the more realistic orbital mechanics because you don't really see that all that much in these games. No, I I think I would definitely prefer the orbital mechanic version. I just wish that there was some better indication of what moves you were going to make. Like, I mean, you know, we can kind of, since we play KSP a ton, we can kind of eyeball it and figure it out. But, like, if you're coming into this... Patch this Connex, first that's what you games, want. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, something that definitely could uh, be improved. But then again, the ships have enough Delta V on them that it's not that big an issue. You can usually brute force it if need be. Yeah. And they do have some sci-fi elements. You know, they have a warp drive that you could eventually unlock that allows pretty much instant transport uh, teleportation across the system. But, you know, that's uh, basically in-game stuff and requires essentially building a whole new ship to be able to really make because it's a rather large module. <laughs> and the ships are... It's the KSP style where... They're essentially Legos, and you snap them, uh, snap different ship components together to make the different ships. But it's all essentially 2D. I mean, there is a 3D component to it where you could rotate around and look, but it, everything's moving on a 2D plane. So there's really no point of, uh, of moving out of the pseudo top-down perspective. That's not saying that the game's bad. I do like it. It's just, you know, it's still very rough. Yeah. But hey, the stations aren't crashing now, so, you know, they got that going for them, which is nice. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of stations, I'm actually going to move the game that I added to my list to the second one, since it's a nice transition. Stable Orbit is a game I also picked up on the Steam uh, sale, and I refunded. <laughs> uh, keeping up the tradition of uh, buying a game, trying it out, and then refunding it. You know, the Steam way of playing games. And uh, this is a game I wanted to like a lot more. It's it's a station management game, building out essentially a more realistic space station than what a stable orbit would, or sorry, what Celestial Command would have. But the thing is that it's very, 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 very basic right now. To the point where if you get over the initial hump of just getting the station life support going, that's it. You've won. There's uh, no random uh, uh, things going on. There's no, like, random failures or uh, you know, r emergencies or anything that you would expect out of a space station game. Uh, th there's only a handful of different modules that you could install right now. There's... Uh, it's just very, very, very early in the, its early access uh, run. So I decided that I'm going to hold off and see where they go with this game. And right. I do know that they're exp they're adding another patch next month that's going to add a lot more communications and it's going to have the initial uh, random elements of uh, like space weather, I think is the focus of the first uh, major patch. Or the next major patch, I should say, because it's not the first. Which is interesting, but yeah, it, 
the main problem with the game right now isn't the fact that it lacks the random element that most management games have to you know, throw you off your uh, kilter to uh, you know force you to plan out you know that what if scenario that a good management game should it's the fact that there's really nothing to build with there's one uh, size of a habitat module there's only a couple of trusses to build out your space station. And this is a realistic style space station. Think uh, International Space Station. Matter of fact, uh, I'm pretty sure one of the screenshots, if it's not the International Space Station, it's a close analog. Yeah. Yeah, you can see what I'm talking about. Where you see the same modules repeated over and over and over again. And it's uh, disappointing how shallow it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got this game on my wish list. I've been. Yeah, I'll probably end up. For a while now. I'll probably end up trying it again later on. But this was on my, uh, you know, games I wanted to pick up, and I picked it up and tried and put it back down. Yep, which was a shame. Yeah, so far when I get to it, I've got one of those that I'm on the fence. I'll probably talk myself either into or out of when I talk about it. <laughs> but we'll get there in a few minutes. You've still got another game. Yeah, the third game uh, from the Steam uh, Summer Sale is Enter the Gungeon. A bullet hell roguelike that I've really been enjoying. Granted, it's tough as hell, but then again, it is also a roguelite. So, that's usually par for the course for these games. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare you see an easy roguelite. Because, yeah, that's kind of, you know, the uh, style of things. They're supposed to be difficult. And this is a bullet hell version of, uh, essentially, it's the last levels of Binding of Isaac. <laughs> uh, really. Only... You know, uh, uh, that's the very beginning of the game, and it's a 2D, uh, essentially twin-stick shooter. And it has a lot of humor in it. It's basically Devolver Digital when they're not going overboard and trying too hard on their uh, jokes. Right. (laughs) Because it is a Devolver Digital game. And uh, it's uh, really interesting on some of the things that they have with it, where uh, you could upturn tables to provide temporary cover, but there's if you're not into bullet hell, you are going to have a lot of problems with this game. And I'm only at the point where I'm routinely getting to the first boss and usually getting to the second floor, but not always because, oh, some of those bosses, there's a set of three bosses on each floor. And, it, yeah, it's just luck of the draw which one you get. The king, the bullet king that you could get, he is rather tough. He throws out, as you may imagine, a lot of bullets. As he's <laughs> sitting on his throne... Uh, basically just hovering around shooting you. <laughs> Let's see, there's also the uh, Bullet Brothers that's, you know, a, a good bullet and a, and a bad bullet. And then there's this uh, Gatling bird that flies in, picks up a Gatling gun, flexes to shed all its feathers, and just starts uh, going all heavy weapons guy on you. <laughs> nice. But it does have a really good sense of humor. I've enjoyed it so far, and there's a lot of uh, little references that I've picked up here and there. Just Usually, uh, it's in the lore of the guns, and that's one thing that I've noticed is that they're a lot more... Uh, I guess the proper term is giving with uh, some of the info, because one of the main things about a roguelite is that it's steeped in just mystery. You know, that you pick up a gun or a weapon or item or whatever, and you have no idea what it does half the time. 
Uh, I mean, that's the staple of these games, really, where it's that mystery of, okay, well, I could try to guess what this does based on the name of it, or maybe the little bit of flavor text that pops up. But outside of that, you know, good luck. Well, this, you have the uh, Aminomicon, if I call the name of it correctly, that covers all of the uh, guns, all of the items, all the passive items, all the active items, all the enemies. Uh, some of them are just, you know, little bits of lore. Uh, and other times it tells you pretty much what the gun does or you know, what to expect from it. And it's uh, a nice change of pace for the roguelike genre because... I will have to admit that even though I do like roguelites, for the most part, I mean, there are some that I really don't like that are pretty much staples of the genre. Like, I didn't really care for Rogue Legacy, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's nice to be able to see a game that actually gives you some info on what the hell is going on. Yeah. Because if you go through, uh, you know, uh, a couple of different roguelites or, you know, step away for a while and then come back... You forget a lot of that because these games have tons and tons and tons of items to the point where it's just a information overload and trying to remember it all is really tough and a lot of times you really can't remember it all. Like Binding of Isaac, if I go back to it right now, I would not remember half the items. And some of them are really tough to remember whenever you're in practice before you even get to, okay, what does this astrological sign do does? Because I remember Taurus uh, occasionally uh, uh, causes you to get angry and you could charge at things. But what does this one do? Uh, to hell with it. I'll pick it up. Oh, crap. That was a bad one. <laughs> right. Well, so I haven't played it, but I also bought this game. We had a little powwow the other night and we talked about a bunch of games that we should take a look at potential game club things, co-op recording stuff, all that jazz. And uh, Enter the Gungeon is... Normally, I hate this sort of thing, but something about this game, I don't know if it's the theme or the fact that as far as roguelikes go, it is it, um, like, it does give you some more information. This is, I, this is not roguelike. And Sorry. those are two very different things. <laughs> but... Anyways, like, it just has always struck me as, like, this might be one of the games that even though I typically don't like this sort of thing, I might like this one. And I'm kind of, you know... This is a lot more action-oriented than a lot of roguelites. Yeah. And I'm all right with bullet hells. I used to play a ton of them when I was a kid, and not so much anymore, but it's not a gameplay mechanic that I hate. So, you know, here's to hoping that it was good. And at the very least, it'll provide some interesting... uh, discussion potentially on a game club or something yeah, if sadly, I don't like it yeah sadly the co-op is local only which is yeah. disappointing but I could understand why because yeah, there's just no room for lag in this game to be perfectly honest yeah and it's very tough to do a, a bullet hell game that has uh, an online component I mean it's possible but you know it requires a very very minimum of lag or doing some trickery where it's local for both players and the game tries to um, make it amends between the two different versions of the game. Yeah. Which could uh, lead to some oddities. So I could definitely understand why they have local only for the co-op, even though I would love to you know, have this be online co-op. Yeah. 
I could think of a way to do it, but it wouldn't exactly be co-op. I don't know. I like what I'm thinking is like there's two lanes, uh, and each client their own lane, uh, like they're only interacting with their own lane, and like you have to progress together. And like the other person could do something to help the other lane, maybe not like shoot into it, but I don't know. There might be certain items or something you can use to help the other player out, and you have to advance together. But that kind of fundamentally changes the game, and also yeah. it's not super co-oppy. Yeah, you're talking about essentially the beginning of Portal Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that, except in bullet hell. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else to really say about this because I'm only barely scratch the surface uh and i'm coming up well blank eh? Eh? yeah shooting blanks huh well uh there, well that is something in the game as well is that you're given uh blank bullets that are essentially a screen clear well they are a stre- uh, screen clear and right. well uh there, there is the dodge roll mechanic that's kind of interesting <laughs> where you know Dodge rolling, you could uh, you basically dodge under the bullets. You have an invincibility window, but you have to time it right because if you dodge too far, you could run into other bullets. And I've done that several times. Yeah, but it's uh, been a fairly good one so far. I think it'll be one of the games that I check out on on my trip because I think my laptop can handle it. Yeah, it's not exactly the most demanding of games. It is surprisingly yeah. it is a surprisingly large install, if I recall correctly. Let me actually go double check that because I ha- well, obviously I have it installed because you know uh, I kind of have to to be able to talk about it. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, one and a quarter gigs. I that's not too. I mean, well, that's kind of big for a game like this. Usually these games. Are- well, well, that's the thing is that it's big for a game like this because it's all pixel graphics. Yeah. That's why I was a little shocked at just how big it was. That's what she said. But um, so something you've never heard. <laughs> Touche. Uh, okay. Well, then now it's my turn. I have five games to talk about. All of them, well, four of them Steam sale games, and one of them was a gift. Uh, so first off on my list is the division. Now, I really like this game a whole lot. I bought it last... When did the Steam sale start? I bought it the first day. Wednesday? Thursday. Last Wednesday? Last Thursday. So since last Thursday, I've played The Division for 12.8 hours. So yeah, somebody's got to kiss the dollar flu. Um, <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, So I'm into this game a lot. Um... Ba- the, I mean, the best way to describe it is Destiny with real guns in third person. Like, as someone who now has played both games, they are almost the same game. Go to area, find clear out area, complete story missions, get resources to build your stuff up. The Division has got, like, this base building mechanic, which is basically, like, a separate thing that you level up. So, like, you get your own powers and everything as you level up, but... Building up your base gives you additional powers and makes your character stronger all around. So, um, you've got kind of two things that you're leveling up, which is kind of nice and I kind of like. Um, but there's really not much that goes on at the base other than crafting and leveling it up to to get new abilities and power-ups. 
Yeah, and, and if I recall I've, correctly, uh, some of the base was just absolutely pointless. Uh, there, some of the level ups, well, at least when I tried it out on a free weekend, uh, there was obvious ones that you should pick uh, right away, and there was uh, some uh, level ups that were just wow, like the shooting range, for example. Well, all of them are useful. Like the shooting range, like actually going to the shooting range and testing out guns is pointless. But it does give you a boost to your your weapon skill, so all of your weapons do more damage after you unlock the shooting range. Like every upgrade that you get in your base assists, assists or, or upgrades the particular like skill that it covers. There's the the medwing, which boosts your health and your resistances to damage with every upgrade. There's the security wing, which boosts uh, all of your weapons and your weapon skills and and bonuses that you get as you level up and then there's the tech wing which boosts all of your abilities makes them all more powerful and they're pretty significant boosts like uh i play i've played mostly solo so my build is based around sort of the from borderlands the soldier who has the turret and things that like can help himself out Mm -hmm. that's what my build is based around and one level up in the security ring wing like one of the bigger ones made my turret turret do five times more damage with just that one upgrade damn so i mean that certain upgrades like the more expensive upgrades give you bigger boosts than the smaller ones but even the small boosts add up over time so i I like the base building mechanics i like it gives you a little something extra to work towards because i mean this game is a grindy mmo like anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is lying to you it is a grindy mmo but I really like the looter-shooter MMO thing that has been developing since Destiny. I really like that. Uh, and so I really, really like this. Uh, it. I, I'm not going to, like... One of the biggest complaints that I hear people have, and I'm not going to knock them for those complaints. This is not me, like, saying that they're dumb or whatever. But people do complain, like, well, I mean, this is real, and, like, real people can't survive multiple headshots from high-caliber sniper rifles. Yeah, like... All the enemies are bullet spongy. Totally get it. Not saying those people are wrong because they're completely right. I just think you have to be the right kind of personality for this kind of game. And I just... I am. Uh, I don't worry about my weapon stats. I just like... I like this gun in real life, so I'm going to use this gun until it actually becomes useless. Or until I find another gun that I like in real life. And that's just kind of how I'm doing it as I'm leveling up. And I like it. It's fun. Uh, I tend to like go to the extremes you uh my you primary go weapon, to the extreme my primary weapon is a shotgun and my secondary weapon is a sniper rifle so i've got super close range and super long range and then i've got my turret for medium range defense but i mean this has kind of become my everything game this last couple or this last week um so playing it solo it's a good like podcasting game because you can just run around and do side missions because obviously it's a ubisoft game so there's 13 million things in the city and a hundred missions to clear on like every city block and farming to do and collectibles to get and all that. So, and don't forget all the collectibles respawn. Yep. So uh, if I want to, uh, if I want to just like listen to podcasts and kill some stuff to calm down or chill out, which I needed to do this week. I had a, a rough day at work on Monday. Um, I ran around solo in the division for like three hours listening to podcasts and, and doing random missions. But because it's a online uh, MMO looter shooter, 
if I want to hang out with friends and play the game. It's incredibly fun. Me and Ghost and uh, Spaceman and Cube played this for like... Ooh. How long did we play for? Four hours total on um, on Sunday night. We played for a little bit. Like I ran, I randomly stumbled into this. Like I was playing by myself, waiting for us to record, and then Cube. Like I got to talking to Cube because he had just bought it, and he was like, "Can you help me?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then Spaceman and Ghost both saw that I was playing and showed up, and then we started playing for a while. And then you and I went and did our thing. And then I come back, came back, and we stayed up until like three playing. So we played for like four hours Saturday night. And it was it like, it's just fun. I just love everything about it. Uh, it's definitely not a perfect game. I've got problems with it. And I haven't tried out, like I haven't been to the Dark Zone yet. I haven't seen any of the in-game content, so I don't know if it gets boring. And I haven't tried any of the other modes, like, what is it, survival mode or whatever? Uh, essentially you- the uh, King of the, or the Battle Royale thing. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet, so I don't know if that's any good. But, I mean, just like just this experience that I've gotten so far, I really enjoy it. And I'll probably enjoy it at least through the rest of the single-player content, because I do find the story pretty compelling. Um, basically, for anyone who doesn't know, there's a uh, bio-terrorist attack where that they like engineer this flu virus, uh, contaminate some, some currency, and then on Black Friday... They introduced the currency into the market and, you know, in New York. Yeah, obviously hunt. sci-fi. I mean, paper currency these days, really? I still use cold hard cash for a lot of stuff, actually. Um, like, just about anything I buy in person, I pay for in cash. That's kind of like my way to not overspend. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't have, like, my credit card or anything put into Steam so that I'm not tempted to constantly spend tons of money on games, because I would, even outside of the Steam sale. So I only buy Steam gift cards, and when I go out to buy stuff, I only buy stuff in cash, because it's like, when it's gone, it's gone. And the credit cards... I'll say here, I'm just cheap. Yeah. The the credit cards and debit cards are only used for, like, groceries and bills and stuff, but... Anyways, that's a... Welcome to the financial portion of the podcast on how to not spend all your money. Um... But anyway, so that's how the story goes, and the, the, it gets spread around the city on Black Friday because, you know, millions of dollars changing hands, like, it just content, gets contaminated and spreads. So I actually find that really compelling because of how realistic it is, um, that idea, and I'm sure, honestly, that this has genuinely been, like, a rehearsed uh, terror strategy that the, you know, Department of Defense or Homeland Security or something has like run through and analyzed yeah what is Uh, it with tom clancy and having uh basically anti-terror cells in every facet of life (laughs) i mean that's what he did but i mean i'm really really enjoying this game and if you know even if it dies off in the end game i suspect it'll probably take me 30 or 40 hours to get through the story mode and i think i'll enjoy that 30 or 40 hours so I'm pretty confident this was a good purchase. I did buy the gold edition, so it was like 36 bucks. But, I mean, I wanted all the DLC and everything. and uh, I figured, what the hell? Why not? I've been wanting this game for a while, so I'm just going to go all in on it. But you can just get the regular game for 20 bucks while the sale's still going on. If you don't want the DLC and the season pass and all that jazz. So, yeah, that was my first game. 
Uh, my second game, Defense Grid 2. Uh, the Defense Grid series is what I consider to be like the daddy of all tower defense games. I know that it wasn't the first, but in my opinion, it is the best in terms of just like standard, straight up tower defense. Um, Defense Grid 2 introduces some new things over the first one. Uh, you've got a lot more compelling story and characters. You've got like multiple AIs that assist you, and they've actually got some well written dialogue and banter. Um, there's like, they are pretty stereotypical though. There's like a snarky British guy and then like an uptake. Uh, the same one, uh, from Def- Defense Grid 1? Uh, yeah, General whatever. I can't think of his name right now. But yeah, you've got the uptight British guy and then you've yeah, got like... Yeah, wasn't he, uh, not really an AI, but, uh, uh, the mind of someone upload to a computer, which is, uh, something a little bit different? Yeah, well, that's because I mean, it, if I if I recall correctly, he was talking about missing strawberries or raspberries or something in the first game. Yeah, well, they call them a like I mean they say like they're the minds of people, but they refer to themselves in game as AI. So I don't know. It's wrong. Um, and they but, refer to themselves as Elkabongs. <laughs> but anyways, they've got some real well written dialogue, and you've got this interesting story context from the aliens' point of view. Uh, and as you go through the levels, you learn a little bit more with each one about why they're attacking. And it just puts like a nice little context on the tower defense. It adds new modifiers and new turrets and things to the original defense grid. Um, so I'm just, I mean, I'm just enjoying it all around. I really like the original defense grid, uh, and defense grid two is basically more better, like more of the same, but with improvements. Uh, it also does have uh, a pretty large community that creates uh, custom maps and things for it, which you can just download uh, either in the, the client game client itself, or you can get them off of the Steam Workshop. Um, there's a ton of custom game modes and things that you can tweak to make it either more difficult or easier or just different. Like there's there's um, like commander powers now, and each, during, before each battle, you can choose an AI to like assist you and they each do different things like there's one that gives you like a massive fuck off laser there's one that um makes your economy run a little bit faster there's one that makes your turrets a little bit better so it just depending on what your play style is uh you can choose a different ai and there's more than that but i haven't gotten through the story yet i haven't unlocked all of the abilities uh, it's also got this neat little scoring system, which I didn't think I would care about, but I find myself constantly comparing my score to the other people on my friends list that have this game. Like, oh, can I beat him? Can I beat him? And most of the time, uh, probably half the time I do. So I, I actually, like, normally I don't care about that stuff, but it's just, like, constantly up there in the corner, like, egging you on, like, you know, with less, you could do more with less turrets if you really want to beat that score. So that's pretty actually pretty compelling and even in the campaign mode you can choose a whole bunch of different options like if you don't like any of that stuff if you just want to go with straight up the original defense grid rules you can play the the missions with the original defense grid turrets and you know no hero abilities or anything like that um so it's nice it's got a whole bunch of you know customization options you can basically play it your way plus it's you know defense grid it's just great straight up tower defense so, thoroughly enjoying that. Unfortunately, it runs like ass on my laptop, so I have to play this tower defense game, which you would think, like, would run really easily. But, I mean, even on, like, minimum graphic settings, 
I'm struggling to get like 20 or 25 frame uh, FPS on my laptop. I guess there's just too much stuff on screen for it. But yeah, I mean that's pretty much all I have to say about Defense Grid 2 at this point. I'm like halfway through the story, I think. It's a good game. Good game. Good purchase. Uh, the next game that I bought on the Steam sale and have played so far is uh, Project Cars. Um, I mean, it's a, a simulation-style car racing game. I haven't played too much of it. Uh, I'm, I played it the other day with my kid for like 45 minutes because uh, I was like, yeah, do you like?" Uh, we were going through games. Like, what game do you want to play? And uh, I told him I had a new car game, and he wanted to check that out. So I haven't done any real racing or anything with it. We basically just went to like the free race mode where you can swap cars and drive around and test out like different tracks and things. And he watched me play for a little bit and then he wanted to play. So I was like, okay, I'll hand you, I handed the controller and I was like, all right, this button is the gas. It makes you go. This button is the brakes. It makes you stop. This button is to steer. It turns you left and right. Now repeat back to me. What are the buttons? He pointed, this is the go button. This is the stop button. This is the crash button. I said, no, not the crash button. That's the steering button. It makes you turn left and right. He goes, yeah, steering, crash button. And then for like 20 minutes, we proceeded to crash many supercars and test out the damage modeling in uh, project cars. Damage modeling, pretty good, pretty good. Not like the best I've ever seen, but certainly not the worst. Uh, overall, from playing it, though, like comparing it to other sim games that I've played, it feels very Forza-ish as opposed to Gran Turismo-ish. And it's really difficult to explain the difference if you've never played them. Um, but if you don't really care about sim racers, this won't matter to you. It's got some, like, arcade settings and things you can mess with, but it's basically just driver aids and, um, like, turning off the real-world, like, grip simulation and stuff. But even when you turn all that stuff off or on, like, whenever you make it as easy as possible, it still feels pretty simmy. So, kind of the prob the opposite problem I had with the crew. Even turning everything to maximum simulation mode, it still felt super arcadey. So, if you're not into, into sim racers, this is definitely not a game for you. But it is on the multiplayer list, and there are quite a few of us who have it. So, we're definitely going to be doing some racing in the Yeah, how about that? Another week I'm not going to be able to play. You could still spectate. You could be my cheerleader. Um, Laugh at me when I crash cars. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so this next game is the one that I'm on the fence about. About whether or not I should um, refund it. It's called Stars 1. It is a uh, sci-fi survival crafting game. Um, Honestly, it doesn't look very good. It looks and feels, well, it feels a lot like Imperion Galactic Survival. It's got a ton of complexity to it. That's the thing that kind of sells, that like sold me on it initially. You can go look at like the, well, I don't know if you can actually, like where you find it. I've seen it in like the discussion page in, on Steam and, and things like that. But the tree, like the tech tree for how you get down to different vehicles and and eventually, like, space flight and stuff, is quite extensive. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. If if you're into this sort of thing, like, all kinds of resources that you need and tons of tools to, um, you know, craft these resources and 
into whatever it is that you need and mini resources can be crafted in multiple ways depending on what you want to do with it and that sort of thing um and i do i like also like the fact that everything's blueprinted i mean to a certain extent i do enjoy like building my own vehicles but i'm not the best designer i don't have a lot of artistic talent so seeing one of these games that has basically like recipes for vehicles that you just have to assemble in an assembler as opposed to like putting down each little block is kind of appealing to me uh so i spent some time playing it and the actual like crafting mechanics and that sort of thing were fine and intuitive and and didn't like weren't terrible but i mean this is like a one or a two-man dev team and it really shows uh the all of the assets feel very very like unity asset story like just grabbed different things it doesn't appear to have like a unified art style you can't yeah, really see it in a yeah maybe that's why it's not looking too good to me is that uh the buildings don't look like they fit with like the ship that's show- being shown in one of the screenshots yeah yeah the unit the art style is very mismatched and it's difficult to see in the screenshots because obviously the screenshots are framed to look really nice and even in like the trailer for it you know it's framed to look nice um and oh dear the footage God, that's plays hideous uh, i'm uh, on the uh, uh steam uh community hub uh, looking at some of the screenshots on that yeah and what what the hell is that like a zombie or something it, it, that is uh, horrendously textured yeah, there's, like, little alien creatures and stuff that you have to, like, you know, they come and attack you and you have to survive and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's and some not of this, good. Some of this looks like it is almost a high-res or a reskin of almost Minecraft with how blocky it is. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it's very, very blocky. It's just the art style is not good. It just doesn't look good. And usually... I don't care about that sort of thing, but when it's a constant eyesore, like, bad graphics are fine. I can handle bad graphics, but bad aesthetics just rub me the wrong way. Uh, and on top of that, the music is awful, and there's only one track, and it's, like, it, honestly, just the sound design is bad. Uh, there's, like, no music, or the, there's only, like, one music track, and it's terrible, and all of the sounds, like walking and interacting with things, are terrible. And the UI is terrible. It's all bad. Like, I, the guy who made this is obviously, like, a big fan of these types of games. And he's probably a pretty good, like, programmer. Um, and pretty all good, the buildings like, look like they're photoshopped into uh, almost an Unreal-esque uh, world. Yeah. Oh, dear yeah, God, that is hideous. Uh, it's real bad. There's, there's a screenshot of someone building, I guess it's a landing pad or something. And it does look like a high def reskin of Minecraft on top of a, a Unreal Engine world. Well, I'm not sure if this is Unreal or what, but damn, that that, that is hideous. I think it's Unity. Um, uh, of course, I'm it's pretty Unity. sure it's Unity. Because the, the menus are like stock menus. Also, there's no options. It's like you can change your screen resolution, uh, and that's it. There's no other advanced graphics options. Oh, you can also change the brightness. 
So if it doesn't oh, run well on, on your machine, right there. yeah, if it doesn't run well on your machine, tough luck. Um, I, I basically just talked myself into refunding this game because as much as I like the the crafting and how in depth that is and all of the things that I said positive about it, I just can't stand the thought of getting there because it really is an eyesore and the UI is real bad and the music is real bad. And you're going to be constantly interacting with those things over and over and over for hours to get to the, like the good, interesting things at the end of the the tech tree, so to speak. I just don't want to do it, so I'm definitely going to refund this game. Talk myself into it. Well, that's like six bucks. I don't know, five bucks. I'll get back. Well, the, buy... player, the player models are just hideous. Yeah, maybe I'll end up refunding another title, and then I'll be able to buy a better, like, sci-fi crafting game. Because I always like buy one of those every Steam sale. I just can't help it. Uh, the final yeah, maybe game one like, of these days will be a good one. I feel like Space Engineers was pretty good. It doesn't run very well. So yeah, I guess that makes it bad. Imperion's pretty good, but it's got a lot of issues too. They're just all real bad. And you've just got to love Like I said. You just got to love them. Uh, but the last... on my watch. Uh, the last game I played was Planetary Annihilation Titans. We did this for a uh, multiplayer stream on Saturday. It's supposed to be and Friday, by way, but... me, you mean you. Me and Kyle and Cube. And I think Jim stopped by for a while, but he didn't play. He just talked to us. Uh, but, I mean, this is the expansion to Planetary Annihilation, which adds a new faction and some new units, plus the Titans, which are these giant game unbalancing things and i had never played the original planetary annihilation so i mean this this was like insane at first because there's just so many different levels in planetary annihilation uh you play on on spherical planets that you know you can assault an enemy from any side and all you know that sort of stuff but then you go up into to orbit and eventually out into space and there are, like, Death Star worlds that you can use to blow up other planets. And you can also, like, grab asteroids and smash them into planets. Or smash planets into other planets. And it's like there's a whole bunch of insane stuff. But I enjoyed the experience playing multiplayer. But this game is just one huge clusterfuck. And it made me want to go play Supreme Commander. Which was made, like, a lot of the people who made that game came over and made Planetary Annihilation. I think Supreme Commander is better because it's much more focused um, and everything honestly makes a lot more sense in um, Supreme Commander. But Planetary Annihilation is still a good, fun game to play. I got really pissed off at Kyle in the beginning because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, so I got stuck on a planet like by myself and then like 20 minutes into the game, he smashed another planet into my planet and blew me up and killed me. Why do you think I don't want to play a strategy game against Kyle? But he apologized profusely and then was really nice to me for the rest of the night. Like I said, why do you think I don't want to play a strategy game against Kyle? Um, but well, that we had... and also Uber is on my shit list. Why? Monday Night Combat. Oh, right. Fuck them. Well, Titans is good. It's fun, but I don't know if I want to play it single player. I, I need to check out, like, its single-player campaign mode and see how good that is and play it a little bit more so I get a better handle on what's going on. I mean, we played it for 
like three or four hours and then i played another match with kyle like to help him test out a, a map that he made uh later later on so steam says i played it for five hours i don't think i quite played it that much um probably was sitting idle for a little bit uh when we were watching replays and stuff but i mean i enjoyed the game like and, and as a multiplayer game but i don't think unless the the single player campaign is like amazing that i'll play it very much by myself maybe a little bit just to get some practice in so i'm not quite so bad by the end i was doing okay i mean kyle would still like if i wanted if i went 1v1 against kyle he would definitely still beat me because he has the experience but i mean i was able to, able to hold my own against multiple computer enemies that were fighting against me on the same planet by the end of it um and i managed to take over a couple of worlds in the last game that we played we were we were on teams after that after that first match uh but i think i think i i was starting to get the handle of it but i like it and it's eight bucks if anybody else wants to pick it up before the steam sale ends we'll run it every once in a while i think i mean we're gonna have a bigger rotation of games to play now so unless we like really get on a hot streak with something we probably won't play the same game multiple weeks in a row but it'll kind of go into a rotation i'll probably once everything's all said and done i'll take a look at all the games that all my friends now own put together a rotation and then post that and that's just what we'll do is go through the rotation but yeah all in all so far all of the games that i've tried mostly wins I'm quite happy so far with my Steam sale purchases. We'll get to the rest of them uh, in the next couple of weeks once we've had a chance to check them all out, go through what we bought. But, I mean, all the games we played this week were Steam sale games, so that's what we had to talk about this week. All right. Uh, are you ready to move on to Game Club, or do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, Fuck Uber Entertainment. Fair enough. Well, then let's move on to talk about this month's Game Club, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. So I posted a tweet uh, earlier today asking if people wanted to guess how many times I cried while playing the game. Uh, and as of right now, no one has gotten the correct answer, although there were a couple of fun joke answers. Uh, Brothers is definitely a heart-wrenching game. That's for sure. And when we get to the end, if I haven't said it already, I'll say exactly how many times I cried. And if anybody wants to respond, well, I guess nobody will hear this until Friday. If I get if I get any more responses between now and the time that this gets goes live, then it, the guess is right. I will still honor the uh, my promise, which was that I'll buy you a game. Uh, overall, though, what do you think about Brothers Rage? Oh, I really liked Brothers. Uh, it definitely is a very very short game, and I'm. Uh, I have trouble justifying the purchase price, uh, uh, the full price. But as a sale game, I definitely think it's something to pick up because it usually goes on deep discount. I mean, it. Uh, I got through it in under two hours uh, on my replay. And I would say, well, I originally did it on uh, my channel. And I think I did it in under three. And that's, you know, with, you know, uh, talking and uh, bullshitting as well. Yeah. Um, it is very short. My only time playing through it took me about three hours. Um, I played this over the course of a couple of days at the clinic, so I would have to stop, and I it, every once in a while I'd have to stop 
so I would just like leave the game sitting there. So that kind of added a little bit onto it. But I'd say my actual play time was like probably two and a half, two hours or so. So it's very, very short, but very, very impactful and well-designed. Uh, I almost said well-written, but like the dialogue that is spoken in the game is like that kind of simish. Like, I mean, it might be a real language, but it's definitely not English. It's that kind of well, simish, you can definitely like, pick up on the names of characters, uh, but uh, because it's a, a foreign language, you know, it's one of those that you could uh, pick up on the names, but I don't remember them to, at all. Yeah, I just big brother, little brother, dad, and then the various other like the giants and things like that, spider lady. All those things. Um, do we want to go through the whole story, or do we just want to talk about each aspect of the game, and the discussion will go where it goes? Uh, well, let's uh, talk about uh, the uh, story overall. Uh, it's a uh, really a uh, journey story. Yeah. Uh, not so much the uh, destination as it is the journey uh, between uh, home and, well, the uh, tree of life. Yeah, or the, the healing tree, or whatever you want to call it, because uh, you're not really going to the tree; you're going to a fountain in the top of the tree. Uh, not sure how the fountain got there, but eh. details. Magic, magic. I mean, this world very clearly has magic in it. So yeah, and magic. also, uh, well, the the world kind of sucks. The world definitely sucks. Once you get out of your little starting village and like the immediate surrounding area, like the whole world is a huge shithole. Like, pretty much from the point that the giant tosses you down into, like, that spring or whatever it is, so you, you can mean, go save. Uh, you mean the fungi? <laughs> yes, yes, he has fungus growing on his back. And other places, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, once he tosses well, you down... Uh, well, his wife was a bit of a slut, what can I say? <laughs> Good job. Yeah, from, from, but from the moment he tosses you down to go what you... I mean, you don't know it at the time, but once you're going to save his wife... Uh, like, Well, it's pretty obvious that you're going to go save uh, at least someone close to him because his house has two beds. Yeah, his house did have two beds, and I was wondering, like... It, it first, like, because he was crying at first, I thought that, like, his wife or whoever was dead. Uh, that was my initial take on it, but... You know, then later you discover that you're rescuing rescuing his wife, and so that they can be happy ever after. Yeah, that, that that's something that uh, is kind of a running theme for most of the game is that there's a little stories of uh, the brothers improving uh, people's lives or uh, or having an impact, you know, which you've missed most of it. It seems because. Uh, yeah, I, I talked about uh, well before we started recording uh, the Hangman, and you had no idea what I was talking about. Not a clue. Apparently, there's a lot of little secondary side things that you can discover if you, I guess, interact with more people. Um, uh, I mean, I felt like I was interacting with lots of stuff, but you mentioned several not. things. I'm like, I didn't see that. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the most obvious one is the Hangman, uh, which was uh, in the chapter with the Inventor. Uh, uh, with the hang gliding section, yeah. Uh, after you leave, uh, uh, I'm trying to think what the section is before it now, because 
it, it kind of all runs together because it's so short. You know, you, you don't really stick in a particular section for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but right as you start that chapter, there's a uh, little alcove where you see a guy with a rope around his neck standing on a stool. And uh, next to the tree is a burned out house with two bodies covered up. Obviously, his wife and child uh, had died in a house fire and he was uh, committing suicide. And you could go in and with the uh, older brother and hold him up while the little brother shimmies up the tree and cuts loose the rope so he doesn't commit suicide. Then you uh, go into the ruins of the house and find a music box and bring it to him. And it reminds him of the good times. And uh, it gives him the strength to go on, and he uh, buries his wife and child, and uh, decides to continue on with his life. Yeah, I completely missed that. That would have probably made me cry too. There are, but so that's many- but but that's also one of those. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, little instances where you have to act rather quickly to do something, and this, if you uh, miss uh, hitting him with the older brother, you know, to hold him up, you know, he'll die. Within a few seconds. Yeah. Um, this game has lots of little impactful moments with the two of them interacting with other people. Like, even though I missed that stuff, there's still plenty of things that I was like, oh, that's interesting, or that's neat, or that's cute. Like, early on, whenever you're living, leaving the village, you can walk up to people and interact with them. And uh, most of the time, the older brother will hold up like the the scroll or whatever and be like huh where where do we go where are we going have you seen this tree yeah but and so there's this old lady in a rocking chair and like he shows her the thing and like she points in a direction and it's like okay but then if you walk up to her with the little brother like he rocks the chair with her and like they laugh um and it's it seems like like they know each other and this little brother's like hey old lady i like you let's play for a minute and that was really cute or like a little a little bit farther in that same section there's a guy who's playing a harp and you can walk down and each of the brothers can try and play the harp and I think it's the older brother doesn't know how to play it so he like just kind of plucks at it and the guy laughs at him but the younger brother can kind of play a song so he plays it a little bit and it it's cute and the guy's like oh yay and he claps for you stuff like that it was just like really neat and those little interactions are sprinkled throughout uh, throughout the story, and I I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like just, another just one nice you missed world, but uh, character building was laying the game. Do you remember the turtle? Yeah, uh, you could uh, save its children in a little area right next to it. Uh, you find uh, its uh, children all uh, stuck on their back, and you basically carry them over to the water and let them slide down to the water and uh, swim over to it, their mother. So. Uh, that's another little section that you missed. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could interact with in the game that I, like, was surprised you could. And some of it was, like, kind of nonsense, silly interactions, and some of it did things. Yeah, there was a couple things that wasn't obvious what it did initially, and well, uh, would pay off later on, like, the birdcage was uh, probably the biggest example of that. Yeah. It's in, I think, the second chapter, where... Uh, you uh, go up to with the older brother, and he'll just you know uh, tap on the cage and uh, uh, like pretty bird, 
And the little brother would open up the cage and let the bird fly away. Well, you'd think, well, well the little brother just screwed up. Well, later on, uh, it's actually after the inventor, once again, uh, there's a telescope. And if you zoom in on a bird on the, in a tree, you see the other bird come down and uh, they interact. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's a pair of lovebirds. Yeah. Yeah, I may go go back and replay it and find all of these things. I mean, it would only take a couple hours to do that. Because, I mean, some of those sound, like, really neat and interesting. The one that I did find that I didn't actually do, at the beginning, there's this little girl who's, like, got a ball she's playing with. And apparently, I mean, I walked up to her and took the ball and, like, played catch between, like, me and her. And, yeah, there like, was both a... of the brothers and her. Yeah, there was a couple of things. It's, one, it's teaching you how to throw the ball back and forth for a later puzzle. Yeah. And also, you could uh, uh, take the ball, uh, run away with it, and uh, throw it down a well for an achievement. <laughs> Which I didn't do. I didn't I mean, I didn't know it was an achievement. But, like, I just played catch with the girl for a little bit, and then I was like, bye-bye. And we went on our merry way. So, controlling both of them at the same time. This is more mechanical. It was a little bit weird at first, because just like your brain is not trained or used to doing that like you're very used to control even if you're controlling multiple characters at the same time typically there's always like a leader and the other characters follow the leader so yeah, which controlling... i ended up doing naturally just because you know it's easier to have the two brothers follow one another than have them run by side by side for me yeah i started out doing that but by the end of the game i had them well not by the end of the game but Later on in the game, I had them uh, a little bit more side-by-side side and working independently. Like, my brain adjusted pretty quickly, but for probably the first 30 minutes or so, it was really awkward. And uh, I failed a few, like, really simple things, like the the climbing section, the giants helping you climb around. Like, just without thinking, I was like, okay, this one brother's across, I can release... Uh, I actually played for a little bit with the keyboard before I swapped to the controller. Like I just wanted to see what. Yeah, it was this like. is yeah, this is not a game for not a keyboard. keyboard. No, but uh, I was like, all right, and then I re- I released the uh, what was it? The right control or right alt, whatever it is that controls the little brother on the keyboard, and he was still hanging. And because I wasn't thinking like, oh, he's just gonna follow, he dropped and fell to his death. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. Let me go redo this. Well, it was a short game. Yeah, it's a really short game. Little brother died. Um. But that was a really neat mechanic that pays off really well at the end of the game. Um, like, So one of the key things of this game is that the little brother is terrified of water because he watched his mom die when he couldn't save her after she fell overboard on a boat. Uh, and that was like, that's how the game opens. Little brother's mom dies. He's like at her grave feeling sad. Her spirit comes out to see him. Or I'm not sure if that's like actually her spirit or if he's just like imagining it. I'm not really sure if it matters. I think anyways, it's a like, memory because uh, that plays in uh, several times where, you know, it's the little brother uh, thinking back on things. Yeah. But anyways, if the little brother gets in water that's too deep, he basically like panics and can't really swim. So the older brother, like you have to climb onto the older brother's back and then he swims across. Excuse me. It swims across water. And you do this several times in the game. Uh, and then at one point in the story, the older brother dies. And so the little brother has to, you know, 
for the the remainder of the game when you're the little brother, you're just using one set of controls uh, for him. Yeah, it felt it felt really odd the first time I played this to you know suddenly have everything on the right uh, thumbstick and right trigger. Yeah, but then you get which back I to think this- is also a, a really smart decision because that's not usually the thumbsticks used uh, anyway. So for you know, movement, so it makes yeah. it feel even more foreign. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you get to this stream that you have to cross, and uh, then suddenly you can use the left, the the Big Brother's controls again. And it's like, mechanically, that's something that that only video games can do. It's like this little brother is like gaining strength and confidence, and you know, so it's like his Big Brother's still helping him out, and he gets across the water, and you use both sets of controls to allow him to swim across. That's a really well done, super powerful, impactful moment, and I wish that I hadn't known that it was coming when I got there. Yeah, and it doesn't translate to anything else but video games. No, you couldn't watch a Let's Play or read about this and get the same effect. I mean, it was still moving to me, even though I knew it was coming, just because it's like, you know, that sensation, that feeling, the way that it translates through gaming. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't cry at this point. I would have bawled like a baby if it was if I didn't know about it going in. I did get like a little sniffly and and maybe like a little misty, but no like no tears fell at this point. I just was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. The little bit is confidence." And you know, just went across. But that's just like the best payoff I've ever seen for a video game mechanic ever. Yeah, I think. It was, I mean... Yeah, I've seen nothing like that. You know, five stars, A-plus, right there. Like, that one bit, amazing. Yeah, unfortunately, it's turned into, you know, it was his sled, you know, the Rosebud thing. Yeah. Where everyone's talked about it to the point where you knew about it. Yeah, which removes a lot of the impact. Like, I wish I could go back and undo all of that. I would love to be able to experience this moment fresh. Well, you know, enough vodka. <laughs> Maybe so, maybe so, but even still, it was very impactful, really good use of that mechanic, uh, and I really, really liked it. It really, really was well done. Um, uh, otherwise, I really like the art style of this game and the sound design. Yeah, I think the music uh, was uh, really on point for, uh, particularly the vehicle sections, and for lack of a better term, the... When you're on the goats and when you're on the glider. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the soundtrack to be beautiful. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's something it I would like to listen to in the background while doing other things, but it uh, handled the gameplay excellently. Yeah, I felt like it really added to and matched what was going on as well. Like, that's a really hard balance to strike, like being a, a really great soundtrack or score without taking away from what's going on on screen uh and in the case of this game like what you're actually doing with the controls but they i think they hit it perfectly i felt like every song that was played really added to the mood um and helped set the tone but didn't become overbearing so excellent sound design also i felt like the characters were really emotive and expressive and they looked great like the art style the aesthetic for this game is impeccable um and it's held up really well because Brothers is several years old at this point, right? Yeah. Came out in what, 2013? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. September 3rd, 2013. So this game is nearly four years old, but because they picked a really, really gorgeous aesthetic, it holds up and doesn't doesn't detract from the, the story at all. Like, you know, how sometimes older graphics can just ruin stuff. But again, they went with aesthetics over realism. And it this is another game where it's really paid off. Yeah, that's the thing is that uh, having a particular style or you know, not going realistic tends to make the games uh, just age a lot better. I mean, just look at... Well, compare even... Well, probably a bad uh, choice for it, but the NES... Uh, the, not the NES, but the, the Nintendo 64 era where uh, games uh, made the jump to 3D... Everything that was really cartoony uh, still holds up fairly well, but Mario just looks like a a blob of <laughs> polygons. Yeah, well, Mario's pretty cartoony too. That's interesting that you think yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they didn't do it well. They tried to make him a little bit more realistic. Yeah, instead of having very very bright colors. Uh, granted, the world for uh, Mario sixty four yeah holds up fairly well. It's just the characters didn't. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, so when we started like talking about or doing our, our, our pregame like planning and stuff, we were like, well, this would be a pretty short game club. I'm running out of things to talk about. Do you have anything that you want to add or Well, discuss? what was your favorite segment of the game? Oh, what was my favorite segment I think my of favorite the game? was... A- uh, just uh, as a little short play segment, was with the goats. <laughs> the goats were fun. Uh, actually, I think my favorite segment, and this is going to sound weird coming for me because I hate spiders, but the the fight against the the spider queen. She's not really a queen, is she? The spider lady. No. The fight. The fight against the spider lady. Just the way that that the the mechanic of controlling the brothers separately is handled in that instance. Yeah, especially since one is stuck in a a, a, a ball of web. Yeah, it, it was just really unique and interesting, and not too challenging a little bit. But I found myself really engrossed in it just because it was so well done. Uh, and I think that was my most fun or my. Favorite I felt a little bad through. about uh, uh, on well, this playing this for a game club was my second time through this, but playing it a second time, I noticed that. Yeah, I felt a little bad for the spider lady at, uh, towards the end of that fight because she stopped attacking. She was trying to run away. Yeah. Yeah, and turns out you know, the older brother got killed when he was being a dick. Yeah. Yeah, if, if they'd have let her go, he would have lived, but they kept, uh, kept on until they killed her, and she got him back. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that, that was just cruel. Yeah. I that's so I posted a tweet earlier today that was uh what did it say exactly? Pull it up here real quick. Um, and obviously he's not a leg man. <laughs> no. Um Or maybe so my, he is. So my tweet was Brothers was a lot more brutal than I expected it to be. I was charmed, shed a few tears, but also said what the fuck a few uh, at a few of the things that you do. And that was the biggest one. I was like I mean, you've beat her. She's she's done. But you're just, you know, you're caught up in, yeah, in like this sort of rage or bloodlust or adrenaline yes. or whatever, and you're just like, I'm gonna kill this bitch, 
and then she gets you for it. She takes you with her. Yeah, really. Yeah, there was also a, a well, the uh, I, well, I guess it, it's well, it's not technically a griffin, but uh, the uh, griffin, uh, you know, having it down, he is uh, really sad as well. Yeah, that was definitely a sad moment. That wasn't like a tearjerker, but but, but it was uh, sad. But how did the other one show up? I mean, that that was the other one did die, right? Uh, I think so. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. I dead. thought so. So where did the second one come from? Magic, definitely magic. And that uh, the, uh, that is the that is a thing. Is that I do have a couple problems with uh, this story overall because I'm me. Of course, I do. One is just yo, uh, the older brother dying because he's a dick, and yeah. also it felt like they could have had a little bit more on the return instead of pulling a return to uh, return of the king. Yo, well, you know, eagles uh, fly you back. Yeah. Granted, it was a very beautiful uh, uh, montage of the previous areas, but you know, it felt like a shortcut. Yeah. Well, it was a shortcut. I mean, there's no way about it. But I, I would have liked to seen uh, the little brother try to figure out things on his own outside of the last segment. You know. Yeah. Thinking about it, I don't have any. I don't think I have any real problems with this game. Oh, it's just little minor, you know, head scratchers for me more than anything else. Don't, don't get me wrong; I do enjoy this game. Yeah, it's just one of those things that, huh? Why did they do that? Yeah, I don't really think I have any complaints. And also, uh, you your big tip off for the Spider Lady being you know not human. Was yeah her doing some rather extraordinary things, but uh, you also your grip is just you, you could uh, get, squeeze the cider out of an apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the those little rock jumping sections. It's like all right, this is like a little bit Assassin's Creedy, like jumping up like that and grabbing onto a ledge or whatever. Yeah, that and, and also mean, they repeat them a little too much for my taste, especially since it is such a short game. Yeah. I created the segment going into the giant house where it's the same basic idea, but you're tied together with a bit of string. Yeah. Uh, from the glider is a neat twist on that mechanic because you've seen this uh, rock jumping and uh, ledge climbing thing about this time, yeah, several times already. But the fact that one brother swings around to grab the next ledge is a nice twist on things. But that said, yeah, how many broken bridges or broken ladders are in this game? <laughs> All of them. All of the broken bridges and ladders. I guess I guess my biggest problem with this game, and this is like a super major nitpick, is just like I feel like with the game being so short certain sections drag on for longer than they should. Like, I feel like certain, like, certain, like, sections of climbing or whatever, they, they just go on for, like, just a little bit too long. And I, But I'm, like, I'm really stretching that because I think the game overall, like, the length of everything in general is great and it's, like, yeah. one or two sections in my head that I'm thinking of. Um, You know, it just drag on for, like, a hair too long and it's, like, okay... I'm tired of doing this. I want to move on to the next 
interesting puzzle or the next interesting bit of story or whatever. But, I mean, I'm being super nitpicky. Overall, I mean, this is one of the best, most solid sound games I've ever played. And, honestly, it's probably down to the length. They knew what they wanted to do. They executed that very well. They didn't overstay their welcome. And they were able to tell a really compelling, um, interesting, and gut-riching story while doing it. I mean, this was, like, great. Like, knowing your mark and hitting it dead on I love it I yeah love I just play. wish they didn't do the shortcut to yeah immediately jump to the end yeah yeah I think I could agree with that but again that feels super nitpicky to me yeah but yeah good game <laughs> I'd love to play like a dozen more like this like but you could uh, you can kind of see why I'm a little concerned about uh uh, a way out the index game from this studio uh, because they uh, brothers of tale of two sons was a very very focused game and it looks like a way out is going to be a lot longer yeah i mean you know they might be able to pull it off having actually finally played this game now i have a little bit more confidence in the studio and their ability to do something because i mean when i first heard about this game it's like oh this sounds stupid a really short game you've got to control two separate characters like on the same controller in a weird way and it's all like just puzzles and stuff but it like it's just amazing so i think i'll give them the benefit of the doubt and you know i mean i'm not like hyping it up or have my hopes like super high but i'm like all right i'll give you guys a chance you did it once maybe you can do it twice uh so do you want to hear the portion or the sections of the game where i where i cried well let me guess Uh, obviously when the brother died uh, yep. Most likely, I would say, the burial scene. Oh, yeah. Yep, that was the one. I was sad when the brother died, but I also... Uh, it was, it's heart-wrenching when, you know, having to bury him Having yourself. to bury it's, your it's brother. Not, it's not a cutscene. It's You're in control. Yeah, I'm actually tearing up a little bit now just thinking about it. That was another really impactful scene. And I knew that, I knew that he died. I did not know that you had to bury him. And so, like, having to actually do that was intense. So yeah, that's one. I cried. I cried three times. That's one. Uh, let's see. Uh, the uh, storm. Yes. I'm trying to think of what the third would be. Mm-hmm. The owl. No. Well, shame it wasn't Hangman because uh, you know that would definitely be one for you. Yeah, I would have cried for that one. No, I actually cried at the very end of the game. Ah. Uh. Uh, of course, uh, the graves. Yeah, standing over the graves. And that one was less about the game, I think, and more about, like, just suddenly that connection. Like, as a dad, like, I would be devastated if one of my kids died. I mean, yeah, I only and, have one uh, kid right now, but, like... Yeah, and that's the thing, is that it, it seems like a, a lot of what has happened in the world and uh, with the uh, backstory of this game is also very recent. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the, that trauma is still very fresh-seeming, at least, uh, to the younger brother. Yeah. So, I, I want to say that, you know, uh, his mother just died recently. The uh, Battle of the Giants happened very recently, just based on the fact that the owl was still alive. Yeah. And it looked like, you know, uh, that place hadn't been deserted for that long. Mm-mm. 
the frozen town had to happen pretty recently just from the uh, predator uh, giant uh, <laughs> stomping around destroying everything yeah which that uh, that giant was kind of a, 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 a weird just to be there yeah just a, a random huh what is that yeah. doing there uh, for those who don't know, uh, towards the end of the game, you uh, inhabit a to- upon a town that is completely frozen. All the inhabitants are uh, essentially snowmen, and there's a sieging army outside with a, 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 a trebuchet uh, that are also uh, snowmen. And once you get into the town, there's this invisible giant that's stomping around, and the only thing you see is footprints appearing in the snow. And yeah, that it's one tear- was- And it's tearing up everything. It's like, yeah. what's what's that doing here? Uh, oh, as King uh, hits the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to take a short break, obviously denoted by editing, where my, uh, my kid fell on the floor out of his bed. And Katie has gone to girls' night, so I'm having to go in there and take care of him. Which is fine. That hasn't really happened since we've been moved into our new house at all. Probably because I don't hear him if he does scream. <laughs> the door's closed and I've got my headphones on. But since Whoops. I'm home alone, uh, I've got the the office door open and my headset is awkwardly propped on my head. So one of my ears is uh, uncovered for listening. Anyways, yeah, I, I feel like our discretion of brothers was starting to wind down anyways. Um, yeah, uh, of course, uh, we have to cover the moral of the story. Yes. What is the moral of the story? Really? You don't you didn't get the moral of the story? Really? I mean, I mean I felt like the moral I felt like what the story was trying to tell you is that I mean if you want something real bad you're going to have to pay a price for it. Cuz like in order to save their the the dad the brother lost uh well I mean the younger brother lost the older brother on their quest to save their dad. It's like they wanted that thing so badly they didn't realize what it was going to cost them. Okay, there's that, but you missed the other moral. Is it about a brother's love? No, bros before hoes. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Because that is... the the little brother didn't trust that girl. <laughs> That's true. He didn't trust her from the start. But uh, her flirtatious ways won out Big Brother's dick. And then she killed him. With her venomous ways. Eh, well, to be that was fair, kind of a for that. Well, to well to be fair, it was uh, self defense because yes. she, uh, yeah, sure she wanted to eat him, but then she was trying to get away, and then she killed him. Yeah, when he wouldn't let her leave. Yeah, see, if they just uh, held to the mantra "bros before hoes," he would have listened to his little brother, and it's like, you know something is a little strange about this woman that's able to jump across chasms, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But yeah. there's something off here. And the fact that, you know, all those cave paintings had pictures of spiders, you know, I gotta go on a, a, a stretch here and say, you know, something's not right. Yeah, there was definitely some foreshadowing on that. That's great, bros before hoes. I, like I can't that. believe you didn't get that. I just, no, I mean... This is a, I, I see, you know, I get what you're doing and like, it's not like wrong or upsetting or anything, but just like this game is so serious. I wasn't even like in that mindset, you know, to make a well, joke the, about well, it. Well, the thing is, this is also my second time playing through it. So it was, That's uh, true. I, I had my, uh, I already had my impactful moment. So it was, 
Huh, that's strange. Yeah, a lot of the levity was missing. Or, uh, yeah, uh, naming the, that first uh, troll Funga. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I should say you should go play this now if you've never played it because we basically ruined everything about it. But I guess it, the fact it, that I knew It is a definitely stuff, worth an experience. Yeah, I knew a ton of stuff about it and I still felt like the game was very impactful even though I knew basically the like the big reveal or twist or whatever you want to call it and the general gist of the story going in like even so playing through it it was definitely well the thing is that there's uh, there's still the little uh, small side experiences uh there's uh, the sheep the rabbits uh, uh the turtles uh, the lovebirds uh, the, yeah. uh, getting the inventor to dance was fun yeah so all righty well that's game club for this month uh, Rage, what game are we playing next month for Game Club? We're not playing a game for next month. We're playing two. Oh, Shazam! Yes, I after that. <laughs> Sorry. Excelsior! Excelsior! Yeah, did you Go know ahead. Marvel pays uh, Stan Lee just to be Stan Lee? Yes. But anyway, getting back on topic... Uh, to make things a little less serious this time around, we're going to be playing both Portal and Portal 2. Yes. And on top of... Well, do you want to tell them what the special thing is, or do you want to save that as a reveal for when we do it? Uh, we can go ahead and tell them. Okay. So, as a bonus for this, I am going to do a sort of case study or uh, write-up for a uh, psychological profile of GLaDOS. Yeah, it turns out bitch be crazy. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure how I want to do it. I'm going to have to sit down and figure out like the best way to, to write this up. I um, imagine you'll have to play the game first. Well, yeah, I'll have to do that and then figure out how I want to do it. But And the thing I, is that, uh, especially uh, during Portal 2, I think uh, things change enough that... And I know I'm not going to spoil... Uh, uh, what happens uh, that it definitely will make things interesting for you yeah oh, I'm, and, I'm uh, looking and, forward to it oh, and one more thing uh, I'm not sure if you do this or not but uh, uh, make sure that you have the steam overlay turned on for portal 2 yeah I always have the steam overlay turned on just make sure okay because and make sure you're online whenever you do the uh, do portal 2 Okay. Portal 1 will probably run on my laptop. I'll, I'll yeah, give that a shot. Uh, Portal 1 is a very short game, and that, that's part of the reason why it's uh, being bundled with Portal 2, is that it's, you know, it's, what, it, an hour, two hours? But Portal 2, or Portal 1 was essentially a tech demo that was uh, included in the orange box that everyone went absolutely berserk over, mostly because of the humor of it. Yeah. That so. and uh, hey, we get uh, Jared's memes up to date for what 2012? <laughs> yeah, so I've never played, I've played Portal 1, I've, I've played that all the way through, and I've played the Portal 2 multiplayer, but I've never played Portal 2 single player. So, yeah, you've gotten uh, the basically the beginning of the Portal uh, uh, story and the end of the Portal story, but not the middle. Yeah, so this will be good. Looking forward to it. And I mean, honestly, I'm mostly looking forward to doing a psychological profile of GLaDOS. I've had this on, like, 
well, several characters is like a thing to do this, and I've never actually like done one. And it's one of those things. It's like if I ever do one, and I get like a sort of a template or get it figured out, this can become like a more regular thing that I do. And so this is going to be my first one, and it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give her like an actual official diagnosis and everything. It's going to be good. Are, are you going to recommend uh, antivirus for her to take to be able to try to deal with her issues? Uh, unfortunately, no. I'm going to have to refer her out for that. Uh, I don't do any prescribing. Uh, refer her out to tech support. <laughs> yeah. I get the joke that you were making there, but I decided to reply with an actual factual piece of information. You see what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do next time is Portal 1 and Portal 2. So, moving on to our first news topic of the week. This has been good so far. Good, solid, chunky games podcast. I love when we have a good game club, too. Like, there's been two or three of these that have just been so wonderful. And Brothers yeah, and the, is... Yeah, and the rest of them kind of sucked. <laughs> I like most of the rest of them, but some of them have been pretty bad. But I, hey, think, I think the Portal uh, series is going to be a good one. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, so, Unless yeah. they absolutely hate Portal 2. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of kind of made the segue a minute ago. But yes, on to our first news topic of the week. Two more classic systems have been announced. So one of them was from last week, and then one of them is from this week. Atari, uh, I guess copying the NES Classic, uh, is um, or announced that they're making a retro-style home console kind of in that vein. Yeah, uh, and they basically just had a video saying, yeah, we're doing a classic console, which they've done this before. Yeah. So it's not exactly new for Atari. The thing is, what could they do? Are they going to have it where it's a, a an Atari that has all the games? Because that would be kind of the smart money. But then again, that would also be the dumb money because you know, then you can't really release another one. Yeah. You might get uh, some new features into the box. The, the question is, wood grain, yes or no? Absolutely, wood grain. Wood well, grain on uh, lazy, everything. Lazy game reviewer is gonna uh, love it then. <laughs> and for those yeah. who don't know, that's a YouTuber. And a, uh, can, can you answer me a question? This is a complete tangent, but why are some of the YouTubers selling socks? I don't know. Rooster Teeth started doing it like a year ago. Maybe they're copying uh, them. Well, it. It happened uh, last year, and it happened again this year. It's like, out of everything, socks? Really? Hon- honestly, I'm a sock guy. I have an entire... All right, Dobby. Drawer. I have an entire drawer in my um, my armoire, which is like a... Um, fuck. I can't remember the names of things. It's, a, it's French for a chest of drawers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh... I have an entire drawer in there that is filled with, like, novelty and design socks. Like, I love them. Everyone in my family knows that I love them. And they get me, like, I've got one for every holiday. I've got one for, like, 
I've got some for games, and I've got some for like cars and all kinds of stuff. I love novelty socks. Well, well, the reason why I mentioned Lazy Game Reviewer was he did wood grain socks. I would be in for that. I'd be down for that. And, and I, I just I'm confused why socks because you know that out of uh, out of merchandise that you would expect, you know, t-shirts are kind of the obvious thing because you do branding and people would see that, but socks. Yeah, sure, people would get it, and that would be money for you, but it also, branding-wise, not exactly putting your name out there. I I proudly display my socks. I but then again, maybe it does, because you know, uh, I'm talking about it, but it's yeah. like, what the hell? Someone tweet at me and remind me to take a picture of all my socks later. I'll lay them out, and I'll take a picture of them. I've got, I've got I'm not falling for that one again, because I know where the sock will end up. Actually, I got rid of a bunch of them in the move because I had just too many. Uh, but I've still probably got 30 pairs of novelty socks that I wear maybe once a year. Anyways, what were we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about Atari. Yeah, so Atari's doing this, and you said, you know, if they put all the games on, what are they going to do in the future? I could see them doing this, or any company doing this. You put all the games on one of them, then the next version you release, you include some additional features for, like, perhaps doing local recordings uh, natively, or something like that. And then I'm not sure what you would do for the next version, but you could squeeze a couple of them out of that, like, with additional features in the box. And it's like, oh, if you want the box that does this, you gotta buy it. I know, I know, I'm giving Nintendo ideas. Yeah, uh, something for them to do after they go through. I would say, I would expect the the N sixty four would be the last uh, console that they would do a classic of, because the GameCube is a little too recent still. I mean, the Game Club is well, Cube. okay. So if they do one a year, uh, right? Game Club is our thing. <laughs> uh, did I say Game Club? Yes. Oh, sorry. So if they do one a year, though, they did the NES last year. They're doing the SNES this year. Yeah, which we'll get to. Then they'll do the N64, the N64 next year. And that's it, because uh, the GameCube requires a little bit too much hardware. Or, GameCube. Uh, and a little too much storage. They did a Famicom. That could squeeze them one more year out, or Super uh, Famicom. That, that's the Super Nintendo, because the Super uh, Famicom is being released in Japan at the same time. Oh, okay. Right, because the Famicom was also released last year. I could see him doing it for the 20th anniversary of the GameCube, which would be in, what, 2020 or 2021? Yeah, which by then, I think, you know, cheap hardware would probably be, uh, well, yeah, uh, be powerful enough to do the emulation. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, though, also, if they extended this run with classic, like, handheld classics. Yeah. Uh, like, the, Game the, Boy the, Classic. The, yeah, and, the Game Boy and uh, Game Boy Advance. Or, yeah. you know, uh, the NES uh, cl- uh, Classic 2 with a different set of games. Different set of games, yeah. They could extend this out for a few yeah, years. Which, sure what, well, let's, what's, let's talk about the uh, NES Classic because we uh, mentioned it several times, but we haven't mentioned what's on it because that's the interesting thing. Yeah. It, it, well, for one, this is more expensive than the, uh, than the NES Classic. This is $80 compared to the, what was it, 60 for the NES Classic? It was and 60 it also, or 65. And it also has fewer games. Uh, well, let's go down the list. 
Uh, Contra 3, Alien Wars, Donkey Kong Country, Earthbound, Final Fantasy 3, or, that, or the Final Fantasy 6 for Japan, F-Zero, Kirby uh, Superstar, Kirby's Dream Course, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, Mega Man X, or Mega Man 10, depending on how you want to pronounce that, uh, Secret of Mana, and I'm going to skip those two just to leave them for the end to, uh, for discussion purposes, Street right. Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting, uh, Super Castlevania 4, Super Googles and Ghosts, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars, Super Mario World, Super Metroid, Super Punch-Out, Yoshi's Island, and then jumping back up, we have Star Fox, and the most interesting one of these is Star Fox 2, which is previously an unreleased game. It was uh, canceled when it was nearly done, mostly due to the fact that it was being released very late in the SNES uh, lifetime, and that the uh, Nintendo 64 was essentially taking over. I'm pretty sure the year it was due to be released. So it's one of those things that it was a game that was pretty much in uh, Nintendo's backlog, all set and ready to go, and they just uh, pop it on here, and... It, yeah, that ROM is it, well. Assuming that it's not out in the wild already, because I honestly haven't checked, it'll be out in the wild. Yeah, you know, within a few seconds of this game of, of this console launching. So, uh, yeah, but the big collector's thing is to have the console in general. Yeah, but that's an interesting thing that they're uh, that they're going into their library of canceled games and it makes me wonder if there's going to be any more for other uh, consoles. Yeah, I don't know because how many... I don't because I don't know the you know what games were canceled, you know, let's say 75 or 80% of the way through development. Yeah, something that could just be cleaned up and be shipped out. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much of Star Fox 2 made it into Star Fox 64 as well. Supposedly, completely a, different. Supposedly, a lot of the ideas at least were uh, carried over, but not the game itself. So, inspiration for, for certain things. Granted, I'm not a Star Fox player. I actually, uh, this is probably why I'm a little underwhelmed by the uh, Super Nintendo Classic, is that I didn't actually own a Super Nintendo. I went to the Genesis. So, yeah. So, you know, I don't have the nostalgia here. Granted, I have gone back and I played a couple of these. It's kind of strange that you don't... You have Super Mario World, but you don't have Super Mario All-Stars, which uh, the re-release on the uh, SNES was uh, far better than the than the NES versions of those games. And that also had the Lost Levels, which was also a game that wasn't released in the U.S. until that point. Uh, real quick about Star Fox 2, just browsing the Wikipedia page. Uh, there is a ROM of this game that exists, but it was not the finished version of the game. Uh, apparently there is a, a fan patch for it that fixes a lot of stuff and allows you to beat the game, but it's still probably missing content from the original release. So this is basically going to be, uh, releasing Star Fox 2, and that's the big thing for this. Yeah. Um, but so the other games that this is including, though, yeah, I like a lot of the lineup. I did, pl- I did have an SNES. Um, I mean, it wasn't my choice. I mean, it, it I is was, a sol- it is a solid lineup. I was a little kid when when this NES came out. Uh, what year did it release? Ninety three. Let's go with yes. SNES release date. Oh no, the Super Nintendo came out in nineteen ninety. 
So, like, I my my parents, my dad specifically had one, and eventually it became mine. But I mean, this was the system that I started playing games on, the SNES. And I have some pretty vivid memories when I was a little kid, you know, like three, four years old of playing games on this thing. I really don't have any nostalgia for it anyways because I'm not a very nostalgic person in general. I mean, there's a few things that, that do tug on my heartstrings like that, but... Like socks. <laughs> yeah, like socks. Um, But still, looking at the lineup of games, I mean, ones that I really, really enjoy and have actually played since then that I feel like hold up pretty well. F-Zero, um, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. I love the older Super Mario RPG games. Um, the original Star Fox, Mega Man X... Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Like, they came out swinging with this one. The NES Classic had a little bit more of a lackluster lineup. But it uh, also had more. That's the thing. Is that but it did have more games. More. This is seven fewer games, but it also has an unreleased title. So Yeah, this is quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, I might be tempted to buy this to have something to show my kid. Like, I don't know, just like see how well they hold up see if we can have some bonding memories because i mean some of the some of the best memories i have of my dad in my entire life for like playing donkey kong and things like that uh on snes so it would be nice to form some of those bonding memories with my kid but nintendo never makes enough of anything and i'm not gonna pay 300 yeah, bucks for one of these on ebay yeah supposedly they're going to be uh, making more of these but the thing is that yeah, Nintendo says that all the time, don't, aren't they? Yep. We're, we've learned our lesson. We're going to have more uh, supply. Oh. That, that's, they... the, that's the biggest problem with Nintendo is just... Well, that, that's two things with Nintendo. One, they rely a lot on nostalgia to sell their consoles. I mean, well, this is the nostalgia box. I mean, let's uh, uh, not split hairs here. But also... Their supply just sucks. Yeah. And then you get into uh, things like they don't understand the internet at all. Yeah. So it's listed on Amazon, but you cannot yet pre-order it. Uh, No, pre-orders were open for a short time. They've already sold out. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah, pretty much uh, they had pre-orders open and immediately sold out, and Nintendo's promised for another round of pre-orders at some point. Yeah. Or at least from my understanding. It was pretty much, by the time I heard about pre-orders opening, they were already sold out, so, you know, there was no temptation at all, because, yeah, it immediately goes to scalpers, and, uh, yeah, you're looking at probably $300, $400 for this thing, especially with the increased price. Yeah, the NES Classic is is two hundred and fifty bucks on Amazon right now, which honestly sold by you know random third party people. Yeah, scalpers. Yeah, uh, honestly, I would say if you're tempted by this and you can't uh, get the uh, this uh, thing, I would say just get a Raspberry Pi and a, a case of uh, Etsy. Yeah, and have. All the games. Yeah. I, I'm i honestly, actually, you know, you can buy a real SNES for 50 bucks in working condition on eBay. Yeah. Yeah, the like, thing is that 
some of these games are collector's uh, items these days. That's true. The games would be the expensive part, but but yeah. I, I was just thinking uh, that have a, a DIY project of you know setting up a Raspberry Pi, you know, a, a little thirty dollar computer that could run uh, probably up to the uh, Nintendo sixty four. It really depends on the version of Raspberry Pi you get because there's different versions and. Uh, some of them more more powerful than others, but it could easily run NES and SNES. And I've seen people do some, but the, probably my favorite homemade emulator box I've seen was someone did a 3D printed uh, NES with a, a Raspberry Pi in it. Yeah, and they loaded up all the ROMs onto it. You know, pretty much your standard. Uh, uh, emulation box but what they did was they printed off these uh cartridges you know the uh, nes cartridges and they built in a the spring loader like the old uh uh, boxy nes had and then all the cartridges had rf stickers that would call up those roms off the emulation box so you put in the rom or put in the cartridge and it loads up that game and it was so cool. But the thing is that it's also expensive because, yeah, the RF stickers are, yeah, the price adds up. And also you have to program each one. And the NES library is several hundred games. Yeah. So it's more, you know, the handful of games that you actually care about. But it was just such a cool little project and something I hadn't really seen. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, different versions of the Raspberry Pi right now. I think I, I'm, I'll see if I can get one. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to pay stupid, crazy amounts of money. If I can't, that's a really good idea. I mean, I've got several projects lined up as soon as I get like a little workstation table and stuff to start working on things like that. Because I used to do this stuff all the time when I was in like high school and even my early days in college when I had more time. And now I've got a little bit more time back in my life again. Yeah, and I've and, seen uh, all sorts of some of this stuff. So, if, at the very least, if I can't buy one, this would be a fun project for me to actually build one, or yeah. be even put together like a PC to just strictly run emulated titles and things like that. And I know there's some issues with doing certain, you know, with emulation with certain titles, but yeah, but honestly, uh, the NES and SNES uh, emulators are pretty much down pat. Yeah, it's uh, the the Nintendo 64. I think still has some issues. PlayStation 2 is pretty much on uh, the ball with uh, some uh, obscure, more obscure games being problems. There's no real good Xbox emulator. That's a first Xbox emulator. Or no real good Xbox. uh, Really nothing uh, on the Microsoft line in general now that I think about it. Uh, The PlayStation 1 emulator is pretty much down pat. PlayStation 3 is coming along, but it's still very rough. And obviously, PlayStation 4 doesn't exist yet or is in the planning stages. And Nintendo, outside of the uh, Nintendo 64, which was just an odd duck to begin with, uh, is pretty much down pat all the way up to the Wii U with... uh, uh, improvements are happening to the Wii U pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. I'm going to do that in the future if I can't buy one of these. I'll and I've see seen, if I can get one. I've seen a lot of interesting uh, different cases. I've also seen 
Uh, probably the other really neat one I've seen is a Lego one. Oh, that's cute. And that could uh, be something uh, that Kate could help do as well. Put together the Lego case, and then I would actually do the rest of the assemblage. But yeah, and it works really well, especially for the NES because it's a blocky case to begin with. It worked. Yeah. Pre- uh, the the kits I've seen worked pretty well for the SNES as well. I didn't really look for any of the other ones though. But the thing is that. That's the advantage of the Raspberry Pi is that you can load up all the car- all the games and not have you know, uh, be limited to the was the twenty one on here, yeah, or, or twenty three something like that, or, or for the NES Classic the thirty, which honestly the NES Classic there was a lot of uh, obvious omissions and this one as well has some. Well, I mentioned one right off the bat was Super Mario All Stars, you know, a really good re release of the three for the first three Mario platformers and the lost levels, which was originally Mario brothers two until the skin swap for Doki Doki panic, which became Mario brothers two in the U S. Yeah. You, I mean you, this is a great idea that I'm going to pursue. Honestly, I'll probably do that regardless of whether or not I can pick up an SNES classic. Well, and there are a lot of emulated titles I'd like to play once in a while. Well, the big one for the NES classic that's missing is Chrono Trigger. See, I was never a huge... I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I was never big into it. I never got too far into it. It's just that's the one game that I've seen everyone saying, why is Chrono Trigger not on this list? And I could obviously see why. Yeah, people are saying that because... It is one of those games that keeps popping up as uh, one of the most popular games. Uh, you know, uh, whenever somebody makes the best games of all time, Chrono Trigger is usually in the top five. Yeah, they'll just save that for the second box or the second SNES Classic. Yeah, which there is years. a lot of Square, uh, well, uh, SquareSoft titles in this. So back then it was SquareSoft, not Square Enix. Because Super Mario RPG was one, uh, Final Fantasy, of course. So that's two right off the bat. I think Earthbound was as well, wasn't it? I can't remember. Remember, uh, uh, no, it wasn't. Remember, I wasn't uh, playing the Super Nintendo, so it's more just trying to remember off the top of my head. Or was it Secret of Mana? Uh, yeah, Secret of Mana was also a square title, so there you go. So that's three right off the bat out of the 21. Yeah. So I guess that's part of the reason, yeah, they didn't want... Or, yeah, they probably couldn't license it. Because uh, I imagine that would probably be an expensive one. Probably. All right. And also, well, one other thing about this before we get going is that supposedly the controllers are going to have uh, an extra two feet of cable because that was the big complaint of the uh, nes classic yeah was that you too short yeah so they're supposed to be five feet long which is still seems very short doesn't it especially for modern uh, tvs yeah five feet isn't far enough to go from where it would sit in my entertainment center to the couch and if it did reach that cord would be taut maybe i'm just maybe fuck fuck buying this thing i'm just gonna build something do it better i'll do it better build it with the raspberry pi and get uh, um i'd be shocked if you couldn't find it a clone of the snes controller that's bluetooth oh yeah no i'm sure you could find one i'd be shocked if you couldn't 
I mean, even if even I, I just talked you, you out of this, Dan. <laughs> you did. You talked me out of wanting to buy this thing and just into doing it myself, but better. You know what they say: if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself, or just pay someone online to get the kit. Yeah, but that's that's half the fun, though, is building it myself. Well, what you're going to 3D print the case? I don't have a 3D printer, so I guess I'll have to buy that. Just buy the Lego. <laughs> yeah, I've got a box of Legos. I could copy the design and do it like multicolored or something. That would be fun. I don't know. I'll plan this out later. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing how much the uh, the uh, the case would be because I know that there's. Uh, let's see, those are all uh, NES cases, but damn, those look good. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I I gotta show you this uh, or just. This is just one of the first things that popped up, and maybe I'll put this in the show notes. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Where are you? That's just one of the first uh, Lego cases I saw. Oh, wow. That's great looking. And if I you really that. wanted to uh, to make it look authentic, instead of the red block on the door, get a Nintendo sticker. Yeah. I mean, that is amazing looking. Yeah, that's great. And it has a working door as well. <laughs> oh, is that... Uh, well, here's a, a 3D printed case that looks just like uh, the uh, SNES. I mean, they are obviously out there. And with the Raspberry Pi uh, group, they go absolutely nuts for cases. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, we ended up uh, milking that topic for a lot longer than I expected. Yeah. Hitting the timer on this section, uh, 25 minutes. That was more than double what we thought we would. Oh, my. But that being said, let's move on to the next topic on our list, which is there have been some further developments on the Open 4 modding issue deal with Grand Theft Auto V. Thingy. Thingy. Yeah, uh, this is... Almost a non-story, really, because it's there's no real de- developments. It's just that there was a public patch released, and that was it. There's no info on what the hell is going on on their site. Nothing. Yeah. Which is just strange, because you would think that if they reach some sort of deal, they would say something on their blog. I mean, they could have a, what's it called, a gag order, where they can't talk about it yet. Or they could have had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. They're, the two things are different, though. Uh, yeah. The reason I said gag order is because that's related to a court case as opposed to just, like, a contract. Um, so. Well, I was I thinking know. that maybe there was some sort of a licensing deal going on. Perhaps. But, yeah, I mean, this is just an update with a little bit of speculation. And, you know, maybe we'll find... Yeah, and the, else. Uh, like I said, the fact Soon. that there's nothing on their blog is just weird. It, but uh, here's the thing is that people are saying that this is a huge victory, which, yes, it is a victory, That uh, assuming that there's, yeah, uh, some sort of thing going on, and it's just not, uh, you know, th- they were able to release one final patch, and they're still, you know, shut down. But the thing is that they're talking about it's a victory that oh, uh, we did it. We beat take two uh, uh, because we spammed uh, 
the Steam page with all the negative uh, reviews, but GTA 5 is still the number two seller in the Steam sale. Yeah. So, not exactly the biggest of victories, is it? No. Not really. I mean, it's just one of those things that yeah, people are talking uh, big about, you know, show and take two, who's the boss, but yeah, you know, the the only game that they're not beating is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is not even on sale. <laughs> yeah. Um the this whole ordeal was one of the reasons that I chose not to get GTA 5 during the Steam sale. That and two, they just it just hasn't gotten yeah, cheap enough yet. Yeah, it's still a $30 game. I have really no interest in the multiplayer segment whatsoever, so Paying $30 for what's a, a several-year-old game already just doesn't appeal to me. What yeah. can I say? I'm a cheapskate. I mean, they do it because they can get away with it. I, from a business standpoint, I don't blame yeah. them for that. I, yeah, I understand that. It's just, I understand it. I don't have to like it. And I don't have to pay for it. And I'm not. Yeah. Which probably is going to be a little bit unpopular with our community because i know that there's a ton of people playing it right now and it was on several people's like uh there was like a little vote that jim put out to help us kind of quantify like what games on the list people want to play the most gta 5 was on there but between the cost and the fact that like right now i am a little bit upset with them over this whole whole deal i just decided not to buy it and to buy some other games instead so fuck take two (laughs) yeah maybe so Maybe so. They are doing a lot of negative things right now. Yeah, it's just one of those things that uh, it's just so scummy. But the thing is that there's no info on this. It's people are assuming a victory when there's yeah no definitive things about what's going on. Yeah. Um, and also. and that's not even really getting into some of the past with the GTA uh, uh, bonding either, where uh, yeah, you know, private investigators have shown up at uh, a modder's house before. So you know, that, it's that all, that entire history just ha- puts me off from it. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, I mean, I don't think we have anything else to say about it. Do you? Fuck. We take to- two. <laughs> We knew this one was going to be a short one, too, because it's... <laughs> yeah, it's not it's, that it's a non-story. We just don't know enough to really do anything besides speculate a little bit and and talk about what we did. Yeah, but it's one of those things that since we talked about it uh, you know, fairly big on the last episode, you know, it, the update was worth at least covering. Yeah. And now, to be fair, you know, our other uh, thing that we talked about, the uh, uh, microtransactions, that's still going on as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Which is even more ridiculous. <laughs> oh. But the thing is, people don't care about that old game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Doogie. Well, that wraps it up for the news, so let's move on to Community Corner. We had no emails this week, but we did have quite a few tweets. And responses to the question of the week, so... Yeah, the question of the week was popular. 
Um, the question of the week was, what is the last game you bought a physical copy of? I figure since the Steam sale is ongoing and we are pretty much a PC-related podcast, what would be the last physical game? And let's see, Kyle, I have a DS, so I think it was Star Fox Command or Advance Wars Days of Ruin on PC. It was Mini Ninjas. Chemists. Rayman Legends. Played the torrented copy. Uh, decided to buy it. Go back home. Can't install it due to no uh, internet. At least I still have it on Uplay. Group. GTA San Andreas. Gem. Halo 4. Dream Through, which I'm pretty sure is a new guy. Or I uh, don't re- recall the name. I don't either. Black Ops 2 on the PlayStation 3. Let's see. Kalti, which I'm also pretty sure is a new one, or at least I don't recognize. Uh, the Hunter 2016 Pathfinder Starter Kit. Pixel Clef. Another new one. We got, we got some new people. Yay, new people. And we probably uh, already scared them off. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel Clef. Starcraft 2 Legacy of the Void Collector's Edition. And rounding it out, Million Lights. That would be World of Warcraft, The Burning Crusade. Then I switched to Steam, thank God. I would uh, need a dedicated room for all the games. Oh, uh, yeah. I wouldn't know what that's like at all. <laughs> um, I think okay. for me, it would also... Be, uh, well, uh, console-wise, I bought a few used uh, PlayStation 2 games, just random ones. Probably uh, Ratchet & Clank would be the last one. Hmm. And for PC, it would be uh, World of Warcraft, the, Thros- uh, the Frozen Throne. Let's see. The last game that I bought a physical copy of was for console. It was Monster Hunter. Oh, oh sorry. Wrath of the Lich King, not Frozen Throne. I, I just wanted to cl- uh, clarify. Right. It was Monster Hunter, I think, 3. Whichever Monster Hunter was on the Wii U. Uh, that was the last physical copy of a game that I bought, period. Um, the last physical copy of a game I bought for PC would have been... Hmm, let me get... I will, of course, edit out the silence. Boom, 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 boom. I've actually got a Steam version of it now let me go through here and find it i need to sort this by my categories instead of recently played do, do, do. okay x3 terran conflict i bought this on like what was it like four dvds or something like that in um the late 2000s it was right before i went to uh college for my first year and then I swapped back over to console gaming for a while. And then after that, when I started playing PC games again, I got Steam. And I haven't purchased a physical copy of a game since then. So that would have been 2007, 2008, something like that, when I actually purchased this. Uh, it says this game released in October 2008. So, yeah. Got it in 2008. Bought it at Walmart. It was like 30 bucks. It was just like, I was walking through Walmart looking for something else and i mean i've always been a sucker for space games and i had just replayed freelancer for like yeah mine would be 2008 as well with uh wrath of the lich king yeah i just wanted to double check the release date 
Yeah, I had just finished replaying Freelancer for like the, I don't know, fifth or sixth time at this point. Played it several times since then. So do you have an interest in uh, this space? (laughs) Yes. We don't own this space, but we have an interest in its operations. (laughs) Indeed. We own the space. Indeed we do. But yeah, yeah, so. We dropped this space. That was the last physical copy. I bet that's still kicking around in a box somewhere. Well, no. We just moved and it wasn't in there, so it's not. I don't know what happened to the physical copy. doesn't matter, but now I want to play the X3 series again. Terran Conflict will run on my laptop. play Freelancer, you could instead go watch it on my channel, Game with Caffeine Rage. Ding. Ding. Uh, Watch me uh, be absolutely terrible at it. Yeah. And get a little bit frustrated with just how grindy it could be. Oh, no. These these games run on my laptop because they're from, you know, 2008, 2009. Okay, okay, so... I might be abandoning so, everything from my trip and playing 100 hours of the X3 series. Okay, so let's uh, take stock here. I saved you money from uh, buying an SNES Classic, but I just cost you hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah, something like that. Hey, you gotta admit, it was a good question of the week. It was a great question of the week. One of our best, I think. And also, obviously, one of the most responded to, if not the most responded to. Yeah. So, good job. Good job. Hey, every so often I uh, get a good one. I mean, it only took me how many questions of the week now? Granted, I don't keep a list of them, so I'm sure eventually I'm going to ask something that I already did. But I do have a few things uh, in the uh, stockpile, which I'm I'm probably going to have to go into for this week because, yeah. Okay. Ooh, I... Actually, that's a that's a really good one uh, that I could ask. Uh, so, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this uh, question. Uh, it's just a thought. It's not a fully uh, fleshed out question, but I want you to uh, say yay or nay to potential question. Okay. Ooh, definitely yay on that one. <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, what about the rest of the tweets from this week? Did we have? Uh, any? Nothing that we could address here. Okay. What does that mean? We had that one. Oh, that one. Right. Right. No, right. I'm tracking now. I got you. Okie dokie. Well, then with Community Corey out of the way, then that means it's time for our Steam Discovery queue. And it's my turn to say, go for the theme song. Which I really like to say. <laughs> Uh, and let's see if we could actually get... Oh, uh, my second game uh, has something interesting. I'm a sucker for sports games. What can I say? And let me just find my place on the list. And there we go. The Golf Club 2. Which I haven't played the first one. Supposedly the first one is a pretty good golf simulator. The problem is that it never goes on sale and I'm a cheapskate. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I've kept an eye on uh, the first golf club, and it has gone on sale maybe once, and it didn't even go on a deep discount. And it was, and then it never dropped below, I would say, like twenty five dollars. Oh, hey, the golf club two is on my list. <laughs> now, what's your excuse? Actually, hang on, mine. It doesn't even give me a reason why it's on here. It's like. Here you go. They actually have some DLC for this already, and some pre-order still. 
Or no, no, it looks like it, it released. Yeah, it released yesterday. Ah, oh, well, there you go. What is this? So I just, so I just beat you to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just seeing what, uh, oh, it looks like it's pay-to-cheat DLC, which I hate pay-to-cheat DLC. So this, here's one, startup company. I mean, it's basically like Game Dev Tycoon or any of those games, at least that's mm -hmm. what it looks like, but I mean, I like those games. It's nice to see one that's got a different theme. It looks like you can kind of go a lot of different directions with it. Yeah, it's a lot the, more the problem with uh, the pr my problem I had with Game Dev Tycoon and those types of games is that it feels like you're just trying to play a mathematical formula instead of a game. Yeah, and you never really get any feedback on okay, this game uh, or this uh, attempt at the formula didn't play out because of this reason. It, uh, particularly for Game Dev Tycoon, where you would get the reviews back uh, for your game, and it, they were completely useless. Yeah. I I'm looking at this game, and I'm trying to figure out what that... This is a, a survival horror inspired by Resident Evil 1, Dark Souls, and Eternal Darkness, called Shrouded Insanity. It okay. looks interesting. I'm not sure if it's something I would want to play myself, but it's interesting. Uh, it's not... For some reason, it's not giving me reasons why games are showing them on my Discovery queue, uh, at least in the Steam client right now. It could just be because of uh, the Steam Summer Sale. Yeah, I'm not I, getting any in mine either. Because for a while, uh, the... the the search bar was not working properly, and you would have to go and delete uh, the uh, yeah the search uh, the store <laughs> text on it. Yeah. Oh, Project Cars Two. For uh, this is a pre. I, I think I, I think I know why uh, it's on your list. Yeah, this is a pre-order. Looks like it releases September in September. Well, well we know uh, what you're going to do. I mean, I'm going to put it on the list. It'll probably be a while before I pick it up. Because, I mean, the first Project Cars looks like it's got a lot of content. And plus, I mean, it'll last for a little while anyways. But I'll still put it on the list. Got another one. Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. The Castle or the Metroidvania uh, genre, which I realize Castlevania is obviously part of the genre. I mean, it's half the name. Is a genre that I've started to get into. I haven't played a lot of it yet. Granted, I've never really gotten into the Castlevania games, and I have no idea how this one is compared to the others. But you know, it's rated well, and it's uh, dirt cheap right now. It's eighty uh, percent off. Which is, is bring, which is bringing down the sub $10 range. As a matter of fact, the first uh, Lord of Shadows is in the sub $6 range. Granted, I have no idea how this compares to the Castlevania series or, you know, if it's a good Castlevania game or not, because you get into things like Tomb Raider, where uh, Tomb Raider, the reboot, was a good game overall for the most part. I mean, I, I had my issues with it because, well, I'm me. But. It wasn't a particularly good Tomb Raider game because it was such a departure from all the previous Tomb Raiders. 
So I, yeah, I'm not sure if the same plays out here. You know, if it's a good game because it's rated well, but is it a good Castlevania game? That's the question. Yeah. So this looks interesting. Post-Human War. It's a tactical strategy game that is set in a post-apocalyptic world where the human race has already been wiped out. And you can choose to play robots, mutant creatures, or gorillas. Like Planet of the Apes style gorillas. And looks like you're fighting over control of the world. I mean, it looks like... The actual, like, combat and stuff looks pretty generic to these tile-based, uh, or, well, hexagonal-based, turn-based strategy games, mm-hmm. but I really like the art style and uh, the Could theme. you put it on the list so I could uh, get a look at it? Yeah, I should probably do that. It looks neat. Yeah, uh, I've been hanging out with you too much because I completely misread the uh, name of this game to begin with. And I'm going to put it on the list and I'm not going to say what its name is first. And I want you to tell me what you think I saw this name as. Uh, Fellatio? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Way too much time with you. The Fidelio incident. Yeah, a first person uh, single player uh, thriller. Set off the coast of Iceland. It has a lot of pretty screenshots, but not a lot of info on what this game entails. So I'm assume, yeah, walking simulator. So probably, uh, yeah, a lot of just uh, walk around and look at the pretty uh, things. Uh, like I would say, Firewatch. And I'm not sure if there's going to be any uh, narration going on or what. Looks like it's an Unreal game, just based on the trailer. And the fact that it has an Unreal logo pop-up. Yeah. Yo, dead giveaway. It is a very, very pretty-looking game, and it's rated really well. It does look gorgeous. Not necessarily the kind of game I enjoy, but who knows? Maybe. I mean... Yeah, let me take a look at this in Steam Enhanced, so that'll give me a... uh, time to beat yeah let's see uh, uh it's actually coming up empty so it's probably not listed oh well yeah does oh, it well. look like it's very popular though uh, uh i should have had steam enhanced going the entire time all-time peak of 33 players so not very many people have played this yeah and it looks like it's estimated owners is only like the maximum 3,700 people, so. Although. That doesn't mean that it's not good. No, that doesn't mean that it's not good. Maybe just not. It's a, well, 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 it's a niche game to begin with. The Walking Simulator is also one of those niche genres. And it's also one of those games that people kind of scoff at. And uh, you start sparking that debate. Is this a game? Is this not a game? Yeah. And I'm getting trash for the rest of everything. Yeah, I'm already done with my queue. I got yeah. three, three good games out of it, though. That's not too shabby. I, I had a better queue than you did. <laughs> Granted, I also kind of sniped a golf club from you. You did. I would have put golf club on my list if if I had gotten to it. It was the, the third game on my list. My, it was my second. <laughs> so, yeah, not too shabby. Yeah, and that's uh, my uh, discovery queue done. Granted, I've also been running my discovery queue to get uh, cards. Yeah, I've been doing that as well. Honestly, I've gotten a lot of garbage. 
So, yeah, uh, this has been my best discovery queue in a while. Yeah, mostly Same because uh, well, I, I've ran uh, the discovery queue eighteen times to get eighteen cards. Yeah, uh, to mostly to get my uh, Steam level up. Yeah, I'm not sure because how many times I, I ran it. Well, I, well, the thing is, I can see. You know, you've unlocked eighteen trading cards. Yeah. I'm not looking at that page right now, but I mean, it doesn't matter. I've done it at least one a day. You can do it, I think, three times a day. Yeah, originally I said two a day. <laughs> you remember the third time it says, you're eligible for negative one cards. <laughs> <laughs> it, of course, there was the jokes going around. Ah, uh, Valve can't say number three. Ha, ha, ha. And there was speculation. Maybe we've run enough Half-Life 3 when we release. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Probably not. So, have you completed any uh, packs of stickers? Uh, no. I mean, I've gotten tons of stickers, but I haven't completed a single I'm single pack nearly, yet. I'm nearly done with one page. Uh, the beach. I'm nearly done with the pool. Looks like I'm missing two stickers. I'm not even close on the forest. Yeah, let's see... Um, I'm almost done with uh, the uh, moonshot, the the one with the uh, waterfront. Yeah, I've got about half of the picnic. That's not too shabby. Yeah, I really I'm, like the stickers. Yeah, I, I I wish they were a little bit more customizable because it's pretty much turn on and off. Yeah. Granted, I think uh, that does happen once you complete a page. But I, I do. I think my favorite one I've gotten so far is the beach, and the fact that I've nearly completed. It, I need one more uh, sticker for it. Ooh, I only need one more sticker to complete the other forest one, like where they're walking across the log with the waterfall in the background. I uh, I need two more for that. Which that's a boring one. I mean, honestly, it's just them walking across the log. Yeah. But the fact that El Presidente is on the beach. But wait, wait, wait. I thought it was all work and no uh, play for El Presidente. <laughs> well, at least it's not on the golf course. But um, And with that, let's move on to the section of the podcast <laughs> where I go first, talking about our stuff. Uh, so as we've mentioned a couple of times on the show already, I'm going to be on vacation next week. So for one, you will receive a um, Franken episode. And then for two, I've got some content that needs to be edited and um, exported and all of that jazz. I have many things to do tomorrow, and I'm not sure how much of it I'm going to get done. There's a couple of Naval Ops Commander videos in there. There's also um, Divinity from the last week or two. I can't remember if I accidentally got behind last week. But, I mean, I'm super curt. Like, I'm not, you know, 20 episodes behind. I'm like one or two maybe. If that's the case. So those will go up. Um, and other than that, I, I've got some uh, some streams that are going to drop that I haven't posted to YouTube yet. Other than that, though, nothing else new coming out. Um, just had a hectic last week at work. And then getting ready for this trip, I haven't had a chance to do any more work. So it'll be a little bit light again compared to what the last month or two have been since I have moved and have had more time to do this stuff. But uh, I'll come back from my vacation recharged. I've got some ideas I want to work on too, um, and I'm not. Well, gonna you do... do realize I'm going to uh, grab you for several nights of recording. 
Yeah. When? When you get back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that. But anyways, I've got several ideas that I've, like, tossed around and mentioned before, like, briefly on the show. And I'm going to take some time, since I have some time off, to work on fleshing out some of those ideas. Hopefully, I'll I'll get something that's good. And if it's not, well, at least I can mark them off my list and come up with some new projects to work on. So, a little bit of recharging and brainstorming uh, and getting ready for things in the future. Uh, if you want to see those things or have a chance at seeing those things, you should go to my YouTube channel, Gaming Psychologist. You can subscribe to me there. You can see all of my content uh, when it releases. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me tweet about all of the things, uh, there'll be some vacation p- tweets and some pictures and things coming up. So uh, some lighthearted things as opposed to just my constant barrage of politics and occasional random thoughts. But hey, some A picture like of Jared things. on the beach and nothing but a pair of socks. As, as much as I hate the man, Trump has been really good for my Twitter follower count. <laughs> so um, I at least have to have to give him credit for helping me with that. So that's the only thing I'm going to give him credit for. So master. basically you're John Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> only like a few million more followers to go and I'll be John Oliver's level. But anyways, I, I actually I have no idea how many Twitter followers he has. I assume it's millions i'm gonna say more than four definitely more than four anyways maybe um, even five or six no no i'm gonna go that far oh okay anyways um if you want to watch me stream games on twitch uh i stream games on friday nights it's twitch.tv slash jr34707 the next two weeks are going to be off because i'm leaving well, if you listen to this on the day the podcast comes out, I'll already be on a train headed towards Texas. Uh, but if you're listening to this... Figures it would be you on a train. It's mostly for the kid. He's very excited. Very, very, very excited. He asks, like, every hour, is it time to go get on the train to go see Grandma and Papa? He's very much looking forward to it. So that was a good decision to take a train out as opposed to flying. You know, I saw... Uh... Uh, completely off topic, but what the hell? I saw a video of a game that's coming out on Steam Early Access probably in the next couple of months. It's a game where you build a wooden train set. Yep, already on my wish list. Okay. Just making sure. Yep, yep. Um, But anyways, yes. Follow me on Twitch for that. And... If you want to be my friend on Steam, my Steam username is jr34707. I accept all friend requests and talk to all people who friend me on Steam. Everyone so far has been cool. And hey, who knows? With the summer sale still going on, I might break the rule that I said I wasn't going to spend any more money. And I might buy some people some gifts. I do that every sale, buy a few gifts. I've already bought a few, but I might buy a few more. I haven't been very generous this go-around. Except with me. Oh, my. Well, if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you've heard from, the password for this week is Odyssey. Odyssey. That's a good one. All right. What's going on for you, buddy? Oh, well. Well, obviously, we're going to have a disruption on uh, Divinity Original Sin again. Mostly my fault this time around because I just had a night where... I was just feeling blah, uh, mostly due to just not sleeping well. And honestly, uh, 
last couple of nights I've uh, slept like a couple of extra hours more than what I usually do. So that just tells you how exhausted I was. Uh, besides that, Quantum Conundrum is still ongoing. I, I'm going to start searching for the next game I'm going to play. I'm not sure what I want to play just yet. I'm bouncing around a few ideas. Uh, it's mostly just trying to figure out what I what, what I feel like. I'm not quite at the point where Quantum Conundrum's ending. I still have a couple more weeks of recorded content before I even have to go into my recording again, which I'm going to probably uh, record tomorrow night. And of course, RimWorld, the series that just will not die. Even though now I'm actively trying to kill it. <laughs> well, without just, you know, throwing the game altogether. Oh, I, I don't want to say too much about what is going on because shit goes down. Oh, uh, uh, the next, I would say probably six or so episodes, the, the next uh, just over a week's content has some interesting stuff happening in it. Ooh. Probably the most interesting stuff since, you know, like episode 20-ish where, you know, I know Spaceman was kind of kidnapped because I didn't have my defenses set up properly. <laughs> Sorry, Spaceman. I, I'm sure they treated you nicely before they harvested all your organs. But hey, uh, does anyone ever really need both their kidneys? I mean, really? <laughs> or eyes? Or, you know, do you really need that jaw? Anyway, uh, like I said, RimWorld is still really, really, really ongoing. And I am setting up my uh, mod list to uh, test once I finish recording. Which I'm, you know, a bit ahead of my recordings. You know, just a tiny bit. And if there's any mods out there that you want me to check out, well, you have uh, probably a week or two before I start doing my testing runs. You could uh, contact me, Game Me With Caffeine Rage, or Game Me With CR, that's YouTube or Twitter, or even Steam uh, Caffeine Rage. Yes, I am throwing my Steam account out there for once. What the hell? There you go. Make some friends. Yeah, who knows? Maybe someone will actually talk to me. <laughs> Don't know why, but you know, what the hell. Uh, and that's really it. So, speaking of places to contact us, since I didn't give out the email address before, because, you know, kind of just skipped over it, you can email us vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet us vglpodcast at Twitter. If you wish to help pay for this absolute bandit, you can help do so on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Podcast. And sorry, we do not have a hideous website uh, to help support our Patreon. <laughs> Little <laughs> pre-gaming uh, stuff. We I showed Jared a website with a, a very, very pretentious article of Sea of Thieves. And it was just an absolutely horrid website. And, he, and this guy makes... Not a huge amount of money, but a decent amount of money on Patreon. <laughs> it was just one of those things like, how? <laughs> yeah. But since it's not a horrible website, but it is a website. It's vglpodcast.podbean.com, where you can find our RSS feed if you're not listening to us through that. 
or you can just find us on Google Play or iTunes. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. And our discovery cue music is Doobly Doo, also by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts <laughs> to roll across my voice, bye bye now. I'll see ya. Bye bye.